It's just insane right now. But, but you know, you got to be happy with yourself. You got to, you know, you got to find peace in yourself. You got to find, you know, Join the show, but anyway, are you there? Yeah, I am now. Hey, there you are. Yeah, uh, sometimes that link don't work exactly right, like you think it ought to. Hey, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm all right. How you doing, buddy? Hi, I'm doing great. Doing great. Doing great. Hey, uh, uh, you want to take a minute to tell everybody about yourself, about your ministry, and about some of the things you've uh, uh, dealt with in the past, and and, uh, you know, uh, your education, you know, just anything like that, you know, I know, I know you went to school to be a minister, but God's kind of taking you on a, a much different path than what you thought you would originally 30 years ago, you know, <laughs> like, like most of us, <laughs> like most of us. You know. Well, I'll tell you what, I will talk and you ask questions along the way. We can do that. I, as you know, I went to Cumberland College. I majored in biblical studies and minored in biblical languages. Uh, before that, God called me to preach at the ripe old age, about 13. And I've been doing that ever since, one way or another, even to the point where I have podcast my own on, on Facebook. And I've been hey, what's the name of What's the name uh, of that podcast? Ron? Ron Piercy. It's uh, if you look up Ronnie Piercy, that's me. That's my personal Facebook page, but my public page is Ron Piercy. R O N P I E R C Y. And right now, the content that is on there is me working through uh, the book of James. I don't go deep, I just explain it the best way I know how in layman's terms without big fancy words uh, here of late uh, me and my wife we attend Valley Rock Church in Riverside, Ohio and through them I'm leading a Bible study called Valley Rock Freedom on Wednesday nights we go into a uh, recovery center uh, which is the coach 
uh, recovery center. This is for people with addictions where they can recover from that. And um, I teach that Bible study on Wednesday nights. And this past May, and this is nothing but a God thing right here, and I, I don't get tired of sharing it. Um, back this past winter, I worked for ODOT, which is Ohio Department of Transportation. I did, I, I was one of those flaggers most of the time, unless we had a snow event, then I was in a snow plow plowing at, at night. No, that only happened three times. And I thought that was what, where God wanted me to work. That's where I figured I would uh, spend the rest of my career and be done. And I applied to eight different jobs. And the eighth one was being a summer seasonal. And that was the only one that I got a response to. In a matter of three months, I applied for eight different jobs. And then whenever I did that, agreed to do that, be a summer seasonal, they uh, told me that I had to be laid off about six weeks because it's a closed union shop. And I said, okay. I applied for unemployment. I wasn't really looking for a job. I was, but I wasn't. And, and at the same time, uh, I was going to Valley Rock Academy. I know, more schooling, right? and working my way through it and we were having in at the end of may we were going to have a credentialing service and i knew that was coming up well the wednesday before that service the uh, officer of operations from the coach contacted my my pastor and then eventually he contacted me and asked me if I was looking for a job. I said, no, kind of, because I was scheduled to go back to ODOT. And we talked for a few minutes, and he asked me to come in for an interview. I went in for an interview. Before I even sat down, I told him, I said, look, I just want to be straight with you. I'm scheduled to go back to ODOT in June. And his words to me were, let's see what we can do about that. And I knew at that point, that this was the guy I wanted to talk to, number one. Number two, I might not be in a plow, snow plow. And this was on a Thursday, Friday, they gave me a job offer, which was going to be better than what I was going to be getting at ODOT. I received credentialing slash ordination service on Sunday, and Dad was part of that. And... I started work on Monday. Now, I was working with the guys that I lead in Bible study. In the past three years, I've either baptized myself or I've helped baptize right about 80 to 100 people. And that's a rough estimate. But I know, like last summer, Last year, we did about 70 through the church that I helped do. Uh, this year's not as been as productive, but I like what we've been doing this past year. It's been more building, I guess you could say, uh, with the guys that are followers. And uh, we've seen a lot happen. 
Um, I mean, a lot of, I, I, we've had in a lot of professions of faith. And you got to remember, too, I was taught back in the 90s that once an individual hits 18, the chances or the possibilities of that individual accepting Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior decreases. It goes down. I can't remember now how much it was, but before 18, you know, it was like 75%, you know, the possibilities of that happening. And if the people did not, it just dropped down to like 20 something percent, if not more. And all these guys that were baptizing, they are in their 20s, 30s, 40s, and even higher. Well, not, uh, yeah, we've done a couple that were higher, even in their 60s. Well, that one guy was a Vietnam vet. <laughs> you know, and, but, you know, we're seeing God move and really touching people's lives. What kind of questions do you have for me? <clears throat> so you you've um, so basically over the last year or so you went on a journey from um, you know that your ministry has kind of changed. God has really opened up doors for you. Uh, <laughs> Let's try you... the last fifteen twenty years. <laughs> Well, you know, uh, I 100% agree with you. 100% agree with you. But uh, what you f focused on the last little bit was uh, what you told us here is stuff that's happened within the, you know, since uh, within the last year or so. So, yeah. Um, yeah, me and my wife, we've been at Valley Rock for about a year and a half, going on two years. Right. And things have started moving before we went to Valley Rock. So some of those baptisms that I was part of was before then. That is a, um, you see, you talk, you, you're dealing mo mainly with uh, recovery, people in recovery, which is something that's close to me, uh, you know, family member, you know. Yeah, um, I know about that. And, uh, and everything. And a lot of friends. I've had a lot of friends. I have a former stepson who is in, jail right now because of, of drugs i've had a lot of i know a lot of people that the drugs have really affected the family in a major way and uh, uh i don't think they get a lot of the, the help that they need you know i think they get uh, they have to jump through so many hurdles with the court system to get their lives back which is a good thing i'm not saying it's a bad thing but they're under so much stress that you wonder if they're getting the support that they need, you know, because everybody's pointing a finger at them. You're bad. You're bad. You're bad. But are they getting the love and the support and encouragement that they need in other places? So I think what you're doing is, is highly commendable because that is a much, much needed work and a much, much needed ministry uh, for the right, right, for the right kind of individual, you know? Right. I mean, this, if you would have told me back whenever I was 25 or even 20 or 25 
or even 30 that I would be doing what I'm doing, I'd say you're crazy. Uh, whenever I was 20, I thought I might pastor a church, but I saw myself more as an evangelist. I saw myself up in front of people talking. And true pastors, they live it. Uh, the guys call me Rev. The other ones call me pastor because um, I'm the only pastor that they've got. Because um, the guys at the facility that I work at, they don't really have, they don't have another option to go to another church the, the, unless a sober support or their sponsor comes and gets them. And which I do have one guy, a couple of guys that do that. Um, it, and you're right in regards to, are they getting what they need? Um, it's that's a big question. You know, I'm up here in Ohio. I don't know what it's like where you're at. Uh, I've, I've seen, I've talked to other family, other family members that we have. And I know what they have shared with me and I know, uh, I don't, there's a video, believe it or not, where a guy from Florida comes to Wayne County and there's a guy out of Somerset that took him into Wayne County and showed him, uh, where he first got drugs. I actually sat down with the sheriff of Wayne County and um and talked about they even had burgers at the pool house uh uh not pool house what is that uh the, the pool room yeah the pool hall yeah pool hall downtown yeah. and i was shocked i was yelling at elizabeth and i know where that is and she just had burgers there too you know and they, they actually went out rogers grove and different places and this guy was actually from out fall creek uh, his daddy was a pastor, and here he gotten into drugs. Uh, I can't yeah. remember. Yeah. yeah, I'll try to post that video in the comments section. That way, other people can watch this and see see what Ronnie's talking about. But it is talking about my hometown and the town that his father and family's from. And it is a very drugs is really bad here. Drugs is is, is you, really bad. Especially Have you seen that video? Yeah, I have. I. I our cousin from Texas sent it to me. Okay. I was blown away by the content of that video. And because it looked like there's less help there than what there are here. Way less help. Way, and, way less. Yeah. So, and, and the thing is, I believe this very sincerely. If an individual is not wanting the help or fully sold out for the help, the help ain't going to do any good. And at the same time, if the people who are providing the help, if their heart ain't in it, their success rate's going to go down. I agree with that 100%. Yeah. And, and that, that doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't matter if it's faith-based or not. Now I'm going to tell you from what I've, what I've been finding out, the faith-based 
is like 90% success rate. And the others are not, I mean, the others like 20, 30, 40%. And, but it comes down to, does the individual want it? And it comes to that point, you know, and what are you willing to do to get it? You know, so. Let me ask you this question. Have you talked to any of these individuals that may have kids or, or, you know, may want to have kids in the future? And have you asked them what they would do to help prevent their children from uh, going through what they've went through? I've had conversations uh, uh, with some of these guys who have kids. Um, usually they're just so desperate to see them because they've been separated from them. Um, now, you know, you got to understand there are those who are there to play the system and just so that they can get back out so they can keep from having to do jail time. Um, they're playing the system, you know, just playing the system so they can just get back out and do whatever they was doing before. And then you got the guys who are half-hearted, and then you got guys who are sincere. Um, I've got, I, I have spoken with guys. Um, they want to get back to their families. They don't want their kids going through what they're going through. Um, I know one guy, he's not as, he, he's a little younger than you. And uh, he's probably, you know, he's a, he had adopted some kids. And I think he was pushing like eight or nine, something like that along the way. But he was not married. And he, had, he, I thought he had everything set up. He kept telling me that he did. He graduated from our program. And just this past week, whenever, because my main job at what I do is I'm a transportation specialist. I move people around. They have a bus. I drive that bus. Plus, I go pick up people from different, from Cincinnati, from Hamilton, and I transport them to Dayton or in the Dayton area. And I seen this guy and I couldn't believe that I seen him. And for him to be back into the program, he had to quote unquote slip or fall. Right. And you got to understand too, there's quite a few guys that, and gals that use this, uh, use the program because they're homeless. They have nowhere else to go. I mean, like me or you, we we were raised with knowing that family was there. We might not like what family had to say to us, but we could always rely on family. Right. And this is a totally different world for me, and I'm sure it would be for you too, to have, you know... No, to know that you couldn't go and count on family. Right. And, you know, you're like me. You've had family to help you out, and I've helped family out. I've helped more people outside of family than I've helped family. But but, uh, but it's there, you know. So, 
Now, yeah, I really, I mean, here it is October, and I really wondered if Jeff was, did he really slip, or was it because he was homeless and he didn't have a place to go for the winter? Yeah. Yeah, you wonder about that. We'll, we'll try not to use no personal names or any last names or anything like that or change the names. And, uh, right. 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 I got uh, Connor maybe join us here in a minute. He's uh, It's his last few days. Uh, 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 okay, he's he said he'll join us here in a little bit after 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 uh, your interview. What do you think the spiritual notations is of this? Because it's always been my understanding, and I could be wrong, but I really sincerely used to and probably still do believe this, that – there's, there's a, there is a major spiritual warfare around drugs, and that an individual once they get, uh, once that, once they allow that into their lives, I believe that they are allowing, you know, demonic forces, or some kind of curse, into their life. And it starts off, you know, all nice and fun and games, and just, you know, maybe something to do on the weekends or recreational or whatever. And then it just keeps sucking them in until it pretty much just destroys their lives. And it gets, it's almost like oppression or possession. And I think it comes with a generational curse. I think it's once you have been so addicted to something, any kind of sin. Any kind of sin. Once you've been that addicted to it, you can pass that sin on to your children. I would like to talk to you a minute about that. Hear what you your take is on it. Short answer: Yes. Long answer: It's complicated. Um, everything's everything's cut and dry. You know, nothing's cut and dry in this world. But yeah, but you but you agree with that. Yes, sure. in a, in a, in the short term, yes. Uh, the thing is, I mean, I can't remember now the writer, but the Bible says, I think it's out of Hebrews where it says, um, "Lay aside all the weights." Oh, it's something about. Oh, I'm not getting it right. The sin that easily besets us uh, to know it. The, the general term or the idea behind the verse is to know what your weakness is so you can avoid it. Uh, that's the general. And I, like I said, I can't remember. I can't quote it exactly right off the top of my head. And I think that there, each one of us have, we have a sin that is our weakness. Uh, some people's gossip. Other people, it's porn. Other people, it's drugs, alcohol. And if you get into, and all of those are addictive behaviors, really, gambling. Uh, it's lying. Uh, it, they, are, they can be addictive. And in the world of addiction, no matter what kind of an addiction it is, you're going to have lying. You're going to have manipulation. You're going to have uh, stealing and thievery and 
you know, backbiting, lying, you know, and on down the line, you're going to have it. That person is going to do it to get or to satisfy that particular sin craving or the addiction. I mean, really, I mean, you know, Susie isn't, she didn't get up one morning and, and decide that she was going to be a heroin addict. It started somewhere. It started with a desire. It is. It started with wanting to escape. It started with peer pressure. You know, I mean, you can list it on down the line. I mean, and it also depends upon. Well, that don't really matter. But I mean, it, from a general standpoint, that's where it starts. Um, and we're not even touching human trafficking and in the area that we're working um my wife is actually being part of a, a minister a new ministry that is downtown dayton and it's called our house the letter r house um they have a website they have a page on facebook as well and <clears throat> right now they're going out like every other monday and witnessing to women that are vulnerable that are on the streets and eventually they're going to open up a, um, a brick and mortar where where women can come in and be safe and get a hot meal get a change of clothes be pampered uh get a shower and then if they want help help can be provided but we're getting kind of off track there but um i tell you just no. being Go ahead. That's not really off track. I'm sorry to interrupt you. You know that there was a huge uh, trafficking thing busted here in Somerset a year to uh, within a year to two years ago. Correct? Huge. I don't know. I yes, there I was, haven't heard. There was a, a a place that was posing as a massage parlor, and they were working through that. And there was a lot of foreigners in here, and they were grabbing kids and women, and uh, uh, you know, they bust. It's a major operation. They bust them. They bust yeah. and they got some girls back uh, and Good. hopefully some girls back. But uh, but that's right here in Somerset, Kentucky. Everybody thinks, oh, that ain't going to happen in a small town, Jason Aldean. But you know what it does? It does happen in a small town. And it's no. very a lot more prominent than what you think. Do uh, you think those 1,300 kids burnt to death there in Maui that, that were supposedly at school – and then just disappeared. They can't find bodies of them or anything else. There's 1,300 kids unaccounted for. You know, there's 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 something going on there. You know, the police blocked off the neighborhood and wouldn't let parents in to get their kids and rescue them and everything else. There's this child trafficking and, and, and sex trafficking thing is a lot bigger and a lot embedded, more embedded than what we realize. You know, they got rid of Jeffrey Epstein. They killed that guy so he couldn't talk. But, you know, none of the people that flew on his dog on airline and been to his island has been prosecuted yet. And they may kick, they may ban this show for that. YouTube will kick, probably kick me off there for, for saying that for another <laughs> while. But, you know, it's the truth. And, and they've not been. None of these people, we don't know who, who was on that list, uh, and but they have not been prosecuted and brought to justice. And while we're speaking this, they're doing all kinds of things right now to legalize this kind of crap. So if these kind of people can get off, off, you know, uh, they're trying to legalize this stuff, you know, so these people can get off the hook, you know, before, before the right people get in office, 
and the right people get back in power to put it into this. They're trying to legalize this stuff. And right. I think that's a huge spiritual warfare there, too. I think that all ties in together. I mean, it, it may does. not tie in I mean, it, it does, and it goes back to, well, before I get into this passage of Scripture, I heard last week that the human trafficking coming across the southern border from an economic standpoint, it is bigger economically than the NFL. All the NFL teams combined, all the money that is made through the NFL, that's human trafficking coming across the southern border is bigger than all that. I don't know if you heard that or not, but I did. Estimates anywhere from three from thirty-three billion to two trillion dollars. Yeah, easy. Now, what I'm getting ready to read, you you should be able to see whenever I'm talking about the drugs and human trafficking, you can see. You should be able to see what's going on. Finally, this is in Ephesians chapter 6. Finally, be strong in the Lord, in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you might be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle, and this is the key point right here, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over the this present darkness against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Now, just to be clear, what Jeffrey Epstein had going on on his island, was it wrong? Yes. But there's evil forces that was behind him that was causing him, not, no one to say causing him, but guiding him to do the things that he did. Now, <clears throat> The thing is, Jeffrey Epstein, Jesus died for him. Was he guilty of crimes and sin? More than likely. And I say it in that fashion because he hadn't gone through uh, the court system and he hadn't been found guilty. I'm not saying he wasn't. I'm just saying, you know what I'm saying? Very likely he was. Innocent until proven guilty, all of us. Right. Americans, yeah. Right. That's just how I am. But, you know, we we deal with this even on an individual level. We're not warring against an individual. And I got to remind myself, because not every person that I work with, this facility is not a faith-based center. Not every person is a believer. There are those who do not want me there. I have been told I need to know the difference. I need to know where the line is. And and I agree to a point. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I stay within the bounds, you know. And But at the same time, that doesn't mean I don't get to love on these guys. Listen to them. Treat them like human beings. They're not dogs. And that's what a lot of them, I mean, even the ones that do not come to the Bible study, or that I pick up and take to church on Sunday morning, there are those who are, they, they don't want to hear nothing about it, but they still treat me with respect because I treat them with, with respect. Right. Connor asked a question in the group chat. He said, he said, what do you think about Satan worship in music and TV? And 
I think that a lot of the occultism and Satanism and stuff in the TV and music that we listen to, because music spells. Uh, even hymns in some way could be him. I wouldn't consider say hymns or spells because I'd be uh, saying it wrong. But a lot of our hymns, when we sing praises to God, are uh, they bring about good tidings? They bring about good things. You know what I mean? And a lot of times when you're singing, and, and anyone in music, a lot of people in music will tell you that that music is spells. Like songs or spells. Be careful what songs you listen to. Be careful what songs you sing. And I've heard every preacher, <laughs> every preacher I know that I've listened to and said under in my 48 years has all said something about music. Be careful what you listen to. Be careful what, what it brings to your life. Be careful what you watch. What do you think about what Connor says and the type of stuff we watch and music and everything about that opening up those pathways to drugs, uh, certain behaviors that might make us more vulnerable for sex trafficking or, and, and, and just go ahead and elaborate on that. However, however well, whenever, whenever you first started talking about it, what came to my mind uh, was the section in the freedom book that we're getting ready to teach and it's words uh, in the Bible it says that it, there is power in the tongue to create and to destroy and being raised a good southern Baptist as I was we didn't cover that and by the way, I, you won't hear me bash Southern Baptist <clears throat> because that was where I'm from, but I'm no longer Southern Baptist. I'm non-denom now, but, and I'm not, like I said, I'm not bashing, but I wasn't taught about our words. And mind you, this was one of the topics that took me about five to six years to really get an understanding on. And I'm still delusion. Hang on. I'm no, I'm still here. Okay. Um, <clears throat> got a message and I had to respond. You know, wife chatted, texted me. Yeah, you're, um, you're here. Uh, the thing is, the words are are very crucial and critical. Uh, if we are singing praise to God, it usually, for the most part, almost 99.9%, it will lift a person up. The times that it don't are the times whenever the person is living in sin and refusing to repent. And not only that, let's just think if you are... Um, how can I put it? If you are singing songs that are not good, uh, Stairway to Hell. No, that's Stairway to Heaven. Um, highway to Hell. Something, highway to Hell. Something like something that. Like that. 
and they're talking about having fun in hell. That goes contrary to uh, what the Bible says about hell. Number one, number two, it gives a gives a lie as to um, what reality is. And if you start submitting to a lie, start believing a lie, you're going to open yourself up to other lies. You got that issue. Um, Sorry about that. Um, The thing is, too, if we are taking in these, if we're watching shows, I I don't watch a lot of TV anymore. I mean, I used to watch a lot. The shows that we watch, we are very guarded with. Um, I won't watch anything that is... along those lines. I mean, I'm very hesitant about even, I love watching detective shows, but there are some of those shows that I won't watch because they get too deep. They get, they get, they become too real. You know what I'm saying? Right. And, and it just, it's just heavy and it's weighty and if it's too weighty, you can open yourself up to things. Um, mind dwells on it, opens those doors. Correct. It can. It can. It can. And the thing is, you got to be clear about this. I mean, each. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, and you are living the life. And doing the job that he that he wants you to do, you're going to run into war. Okay, you're going to run into opposition. It's not something that just happens. It's not something that. Uh, I mean, look, Sean, me and you, we've got we've got a history. Obviously, we've been in places. We've seen manifestations. Those manifestations don't always happen. And there's a reason why they don't always happen. And at the same time, that doesn't mean that there's not activity or warfare going on. I mean, there's a reason. I mean, Jesus said himself. Uh, let me see my notes here. In John chapter 15, 20, remember the word that I said unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord if if they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they have kept, kept if they have kept my sayings, then they will keep yours. That's coming out of uh, John fifteen twenty. In a sense, technically, whenever we are persecuted or we are hindered from doing the will of will of God and that sharing the gospel with somebody, you are running into warfare on a personal level. And I'll tell you what, I've experienced it this past week. And, you know, and at the same time, you know, I've seen, probably seen more since I've been doing this job without much uh, manifestations. I'm getting, I know I'm getting off track of the question, but we'll get back to that in a minute. 
but back to the question, do I think that that is possible? Yes, it is. I think we need to guard what we watch. And like you've said, the hymns and the songs that we can sing, that brings, um, it can lift our spirits. And sometimes you have to encourage yourself. I mean, David, <laughs> if you remember, I can't remember now where it is. It's right there in the Old Testament. There was a time whenever David had, he was so discouraged and his men was about ready to string him up because all their family had been taken or not all of them, but some of them had lost some of their family and some of their goods. And it came down to where David, the scripture actually says that David had to encourage himself. And one of the ways that we do that is singing hymns and singing praises to God. And, you know, and we got to remember too, whenever we get in, in a down time, a down spot, whenever it seems like the whole world is against us, we got to remember we have a mighty counselor in Jesus Christ and he can handle it. Even though we feel like that, um, what's the best way to put it? Even though we feel like we're not getting, we're getting a raw deal and I know I've shook my fist at God and I've said, God, why is this happening? I don't understand it. I mean, you remember whenever I built my log cabin, I know you didn't see my log cabin, but you remember whenever I built it, that yeah. was my dream. That was my dream. And beautiful. It was beautiful. I've seen pictures. Yeah. Lots of pictures. Yeah. You built and, it with your dad. You done a lot of work yourself with your dad. That, yeah, it means even more, you know. I don't own that place anymore. Yeah. I had to sell it, and you know, and that that broke my heart even more. And let me tell you, I shook my fist at God and says, "What in the Sam Hill's going on here?" And I said it in a lot meaner way, using vocabulary that I normally don't use. And you know what? I felt better afterwards, and it wasn't that I told God off. But he heard me. He didn't punish me for venting. But what he did, he helped me to grow in my faith and trusting him. And, you know, we don't see God like that. I wouldn't, if I, if I had not went through what I went through, I would not have been able to see God in that way. You, so what you're saying is hardships and trials in our life help us experience God, uh, experience God work in our lives in a way that we normally would not see or think about him doing. Bingo. Bingo. Second verse of first chapter of James. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness and let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. I mean, you got to come back down to what is faith? What is faith? I mean, obviously, I mean, even you wouldn't believe whenever I ask these guys, um, this question and it really baffles me because they start fumbling with 
that verse in Hebrews where it says faith is the substance of things hoped for, evidence of things not seen. And you look at them and you say, okay, now what does that mean? And they can't explain it because they have no idea because they, they've just had it beat in their head. That's what that is. Faith, in a simple sense, is your belief system in action. Sean, are you sitting in a chair? Yeah, yeah, I'm sitting here. Yeah. Did you test that chair before you sat down in it? Uh, not this one, but there is one at this table that I do have to test. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to lie. There is one that's, uh, that you got to test because I am a big guy and I have uh, broken one of these chairs down kind of a little bit. But, you know. but whenever you sat down in that chair, you did not test it. You knew that that thing was going to hold you up. You believed that it was going to hold you, correct? Yes, yes sir. It is. Yeah. That is faith. Whenever you're going down the highway and you're driving your truck and you put your foot on that brake, you're not saying, oh, God, please let that brake work. You put your foot on that brake, trusting and believing that it will work, that your brakes will work, correct? Correct. That is faith in action. Now, our faith in God works the same way. It works the same way. If we are trusting him, the Bible says uh, he supplies all my needs according to his riches in glory. Now, mind you, I've went through some hard times here the last 10 years. And, you know, and it's been hand to mouth pretty much the whole way up until here recently. And really, in my opinion, in this is God testing me, not really testing me, but showing me that he's going to supply my needs. I just got to trust him to do it. I mean, I still got to do my part. He's supplying my needs even to this day. Yes, I have a paycheck. And that paycheck is coming for through my employer. But he's the one that has given me the ability, the know-how, to have that job. He's given me the willpower and the desire to work to do the job. And they are, and he's blessed the company to give them the finances to pay me, you know? And, and then I do my part by making sure I tithe and give sacrificially sometimes to ministries. I'm giving it back to him. Now, and you might say, well, what does that got to do with spiritual warfare? Everything. Because if you don't have faith that he's going to supply your needs, if you don't have faith, or if you only have faith that he's going to save you from eternal damnation, which is a big hurdle, by the way, if you don't have, if you have only that faith, that is all you're going to get. Am I making sense? Yeah, I think myself included, I'm including myself in this. A lot of times I have, because of the hardships and trials, you know the things I've been through. We've walked. Uh, we walked some of the roads. We walked some of the same roads. Yeah. Uh, you think that uh, it's easy to believe that Christ died for our sins and, and, you know, saves us for the next life. It's easy to, for most Christians, I think it's easy for them to see that. What is hard for a lot of Christians to realize or see is 
uh, you know, God working in their lives directly and individually. And, and I'm, and I'll be honest, there's at times in my life where I think, well, you know, it's, you know, uh, God's just up there sorting the people out and everything else is kind of up to us down here on our own. And I went through two seasons like that where it felt like that and where I thought I had that mindset that, you know, it was just, you know, well, God really don't care about our personal lives or our individual walks. And I'm not saying our walks with him, but our, our daily lives and the circumstances surrounding it, that God doesn't really care and that he's just waiting to see what we do so he can either throw us in the slammer or let us to the pearly gates. And I've had times in my life where I've been so beat down about things. And if I've been through it and I've thought that, I'm sure there's a lot of others out there that's huh. felt, felt the same thing. You know what I mean? That is spiritual warfare. But we don't recognize it at that time. No. Oh, no. Oh, no. We don't. We look, we're too busy looking at the despair that we're walking through. I mean, I don't know about you. I don't know about you, Sean, but I've lost everything that I've owned three times, three times. And I'm still bringing stuff back together and I've had him to bring things. Look, dude, whenever the house flooded, my, my twin girls played in the water, in the water, in the sink, clogged up the sink, flooded the house. Ended up having a mold infestation. We had to gut the house almost. And we had all our belongings stored outside. And this went on for months. And she, uh, the mother of my daughters, pushed me to take stuff to the dump. Okay? There was, <clears throat> I'm talking my FFA jackets, my varsity jacket. I had a drover. Remember that black drover I had? I used to wear all the time. Yeah, that one. Um, I had cowboy hats and different things of that nature. I remember throwing those into the dump. Was it molded? And I can't... well, in her eyes, it was, and I had nowhere else to take it. Ooh. Sean, I, yeah, Sean, I kid you not. Within like it was uh, about five years ago now. I got into the storage unit that I got moved and I got to digging around my varsity jacket. I found it. I found both my FFA jackets and the pins. And I found a cowboy hat. I found, I got my Drover back. I've got all this stuff. I remember throwing it in the dump and now somehow or another, I got it back. That's God. Yeah. That is God. I mean, <laughs> and I, I kid you not, there was another time that we were really hard up for money and he started, he laid it on my heart to go look in, in the old nightstand that was in that, in that, uh, that storage unit. And I dug in there one Sunday morning and I knew that I'd been in that, in that drawer because I used to hide money in there. And I'd been in that drawer. 10, 15 times looking for cash in the past. But that morning, God guided me there, and I found a $100 bill. That's Why does he do this? I To show that he can't? 
I have have a similar story. I I do have a similar story of the second ex-wife. We were moving from the big house to a smaller house, but we weren't supposed to be selling the big house. We were going to add on to it. And then we were going to rent the smaller house. Uh, Turns out that I lost the one house and ended up having uh, almost lost the other house too. When when we and her divorced because I was I mean she just it, I put myself in a bad I only I can't really blame her I blame myself but anyway she while I was on the road working she threw away all kinds of stuff my autograph uh, all kinds of stuff I had from my childhood my autographs uh, uh, Reds baseball I mean all kinds of that stuff she just she loaded up truck loads of stuff and threw away took to the Hope Center and just got rid of all kinds of stuff, just truckloads of stuff she got rid of. Uh, Since my last divorce, I've gotten some of that stuff back. It's, it's turned up, you know, it turned up in dad's in some of dad's storage and he didn't know it was even there. And I know dad and them didn't take it, or I don't believe dad and them took it. Ashley might've went and got some of it but she was into it with my folks. So I don't know how my folks ended up with, with a lot of my personal things that I really treasured, you know, cause I know yeah. that they were in another house. So it has to be a God thing. Connor's, it asked, is a God thing. Connor's asked two questions here. He says, do you have faith in our country? And he said, uh, do you think betting money is a sin? First question, faith in our country. Yeah. No, I got faith in God. My faith is in God. I can't trust the government to provide me for anything. I thank God for the country that we have. I believe that our nation was founded on Judeo-Christian values. I do not believe, I believe that there's been corruption from the very beginning. Um, I mean, for perfect example, look at do a deep dive into looking at uh, how abraham lincoln was elected there was corruption there <laughs> um just just to mention just to say that you know and we look at abe lincoln has been honest abe you know um was there corruption yeah uh, i do not have faith in our government i have faith in god do I believe that? I don't really think you want me to get into that because I know who won the last election, and because um, God told me, and then it didn't turn out the way that it did, and then me and him had a had a hard talk, and simple words were, he did win, they cheated. I'm like, then my next question was, why did you allow it? And it was pretty simple to to let the corruption be seen. So do I have faith in the government? No. Would have you told me 20 years ago that we would have what we have going on in our government going on? I would not I would not have believed it 20 years ago. Do I have a good idea who's uh do I know who's going to win next election? 
I'm not answering that right now. But it is it a spiritual warfare? Yes. And we need to be praying for our leaders and that God would reveal even more corruption and hold them accountable. Right. And what was the second question? The second question was, uh, you think betting money is, is a sin? Uh, I think it's a possibility, but I don't know. There's no real strong scripture that says that gambling, betting money is a sin. But the thing is, you put money into the stock market, depending upon the stock, I mean, you're taking a chance. Are you not? You got, more experience. you got more experience with the stock market than I do. It is betting. It is betting. Uh, so, I mean, if you, let's say you're playing, you're betting on the Reds. Uh, who, I don't know who they're playing now. I know last week they played the Guardians, the former team, the, the team formerly known as the Indians. Um, you know, there was a time I would laid my money on, if I was betting, I would have laid my money on the Reds. Have I ever betted on a sporting event? No. No. And I'm not acting like Pete Rose, neither. Um, but uh, the thing is, I've I've had guys talk to me back whenever I was watching sports all the time. And they would talk to me. What do you think the Bengals would do? What do you think the Reds would do? And I, I would tell them. And they would bet accordingly. And about seven to eight times out of ten, they'd win. Right. Um, and I'm thinking to myself, huh, <laughs> should I be betting? <laughs> but, you know, I, I never did. I think it's a bad habit. I think it's, I don't think it's a wise choice. Uh, there's better ways of bringing profit to your, you know, with your money. I look at it two different ways, and I'll interrupt you a little bit there. No offense. Uh, um, for fun and entertainment, a few dollars, you're not risking your, you know, you're not risking your livelihood on it. You know, to have a little fun or entertainment, it'd be one thing. Uh, you know, to, you know. What you're talking about is moderation. In moderate any anything in moderation, I think is fine. Uh, that's just, I wouldn't say I wouldn't say anything in moderation. Not anything, but you know, um, some things in moderation. You know, uh, I, I don't think would be bad. You know, but, but there again, it comes back to what is what sin easily besets somebody. What what sin will easily make somebody fall? That's what true. temptation. That's true. So it's not for everybody. It's not for, I mean, there's some things you stay away from. Kitty porn, stay away from it. Oh my God, yeah. Connor, Sex with your wife, okay, you're full, full fledged. Go for it, buddy. Right. <laughs> you know? right. Connor said, faith and worship, in my opinion, are separate. I currently do not have faith in our country. Uh, Faith and worship are separate. Faith. Well, what, what is worship? He, I mean, are you is he talking about worship in about, general or worshiping our government? He's talking about country, not not God. I think there. 
Okay, I agree. I don't. I agree with him. I mean, I don't have much faith in our government, our country, our nation. You're talking about the people. Uh, I tell you what. I mean, your employment takes you out and about and around to different cities, and I've been out and around myself. And it really shocks me, and especially if you get on social media at all, it really shocks me the viewpoints that some people have. And, I mean, for an example, a buddy of mine, he, he has, he, uh, he's a small business owner himself, him and his wife, and they travel from different states doing shows. And they were in a particular location. It was in a... They were set up in a uh, at a fairground and in a I don't know if it was a live I guess it was probably a livestock barn, but there was no livestock in there and everything was cleaned up and it was a dirt floor. It had been raining outside. Whenever they set up their display, they put a carpet down. People were walking in and they had mud on their shoes and they would look at the people, look at my buddy and say, I don't know how I got mud on my shoes. It was raining outside. They were walking on a dirt floor and they couldn't figure out how they got mud on their shoes. It's like, are you playing stupid or are you stupid? You right. know? Right. And I mean, you can't fix stupid neither. Quote John Wayne. Uh, I know, Ronnie, you're not being very loving. I'm not judging. Uh, I'm just calling it like I see it. The thing is, I mean, you people get so wrapped up into their own worlds that they don't see what's going on around them and i believe that's the reason why we have the the child trafficking trafficking the way that we do nationwide i believe in from a nation standpoint the people citizens of this nation i believe they want to do good generally i'm not saying they're all god-fearing I'm not saying that at all, but I do not have faith in government at all. I have found that there is a lot more good people that I have encountered than the ones that I would rather not encounter. And I'm thankful for that. I am thankful yeah. for that because there are times that uh, it's pretty lonely out there on the road, you know? Yep. Yeah. Hey, I mean, it is. It's, it's pretty lonely. I'm out for a couple of weeks at a time. I never know where I'm going to be. I don't know from one day to the next what state I'm going to be in. I have no plan. I just, oh, I finish this job. I wait there till I get another job. And I get that job, I leave, you know. And, right. And well, I, I, might, I don't know how long I'm going to be in a certain location. And I'm thankful that I have found and encountered uh, more pleasantness than, than, than more uh, negativity. Don't get me wrong. I'm prepared for the negativity. <laughs> I am prepared for the negativity. Really hope I don't yeah. Face any, you know, I hope I don't have to face it. But that said, you know, it is what it is. But there are a Let's... lot more like-minded people that I have encountered that are conservative in nature. I'm not saying they're Christian. I'm not saying that they are, uh, you know, 
they have a good nature. You're right. But I've, I've seen a lot better natured people and more conservative people than what I thought I would, especially in places like New York. I figured, oh my gosh, I am going up here to New York and these people are going to hate me, <laughs> you know, because I was raised Democrat. But the Democrats we got in there now, they are not Democrats like what I was raised up, you know, to be. Uh, Democrat was more like a libertarian back in the day, uh, take care of the small guy, individual liberties and freedoms. You know, basically, if you don't like guns, don't buy one. If you don't like cigarettes, don't smoke them. You know, don't buy them. They're, you know, they're, you know, basically that kind of thing. You know, they didn't want, uh, and they wanted to fight and chance for the little guy. They wanted. To, yep. They were socialists. They were socialists. I ain't gonna lie. They were socialists. They thought, you know, that the government ought to step in and help the little guy out, and that he should be able to take care of the rest. Um, you know, they thought that the government ought to protect the little guy and give him a fighting chance to survive. But what we have now is full blown communism. You know, but now the leaders, Marxist, yeah, whatever they are. But they are, but the leadership ain't. They pr- they preach that stuff and indoctrinate the masses. But at the top, they're not. They don't want to give up their homes. They don't want to give up their sports cars, their mansions. They think you should, you know, ride an electric car while they fly in a jet. You know, yeah. at the at the on taxpayers' dime. It's just know. you know. And there's a lot more people out there that are more conservative than what, than what I thought there would be, because the mind seems to be so far, far yeah. widespread. And I think that is a form of spiritual warfare too. I think, you know, I, I hate well, whenever you're looking at it from that standpoint, as far as, um, on a general sense, whenever you're bringing in the whole nation there's demonic forces that have been assigned to the United States and they are, I've never been to Washington DC, but I would venture to guess that it is super dark at night there. I would, because of the overshadowing from the spiritual, from a spiritual sense. I know it's super dark over New York city. I've been there. I've seen it. Um, you know, it, uh, I was downtown Brooklyn, middle of the night, you know, um, whenever I was there, um, but you know, it it, is a dark. Yeah. The thing is we can ask God to move in those areas, but if we're not taking care of our own area, if we're not taking care of our own life and fighting the battles there, it's going to be awful difficult to step out and pray on a national level because there's several levels in between. And, you know, I'm called to where I'm called to. And I think we need to know where our calling is, what our jobs are. Um, if we're just inter- looking in at it for an entertainment value to see what we can see, then you know we're going to end up 
getting getting ourselves in trouble or confused or bewildered and we're going to lose track on what we are doing individually uh oh gee whiz <laughs> i agree with that I agree um with and we can get we can get blindsided looking at what's going on at the neighbor's house right Connor wants to know what you think about the electoral college. Um, he's uh, for the record, I don't believe elections are held anymore. I don't believe elections count. They might on a local level, but every since um, definitely every since. What's he meaning by my thoughts on the electoral college? There's a debate going on right now that. Um, you know, the only reason why Biden won is because of Electoral College, which is true because Electoral College is what puts in the president is not based on the popular vote. It is not the, the Electoral It is the electoral way the Electoral College is supposed to work. It is based on the popular vote. But, it, but the thing is, and this is coming from memory of the election night 2020, there were one, two, three, four, four or five states that had funny business recorded on videos that I watched, that I saw dealing with the ballots. That's not counting all the testimonies of ballots being found in coolers and backs of pickup trucks back of uh, uh, U.S. mail uh, vehicles and the counts stopping first time ever during election. And it takes days for election ballots to be counted. I'm sorry. I mean, that doesn't, that only happens in uh, the Soviet bloc back in the day. Yeah. That happens only in in Iraq, Third that only countries. happens during Saddam Hussein, you know, it happens in places where there's dictators, you know, it doesn't happen or it hadn't happened, but you know, there's been other ways of, do okay. I, do I agree with the elect, uh, electoral college? Yeah. But whenever ballots are being, I mean, bo voting boxes are being stuffed, is it a form of, of spiritual warfare. Yep. Leaders will your leaders will reflect your hearts. That's not the, the heart of the place. men. Yeah, the heart. The heart of the men of the, the heart of the nation. Your leaders reflect the heart of the nation. That's not an exact quote, but no, it's not. That's God will put leaders in power that reflect the hearts of the nation. Yes. But at the same time. That does not mean that you're not going to have a bad leader. Well, no, and I believe it's bad. Your heart, it's gone. bad. Yeah, yeah. I like I said, I believe that what we've got is not just because of the hearts of the nation. And is God trying to get the nation to return, turn their hearts back to God? Yep. But at the same time, I also believe that what's going on is revealing the corruption that's going on from the national federal level on down. I mean, look what's going on in Texas. 
I wasn't going to go here. Look what's going on in Texas. The attorney general there was, they tried to impeach him. Based on what? I have no idea. I just got back from Texas, by the way. I have no idea. 17 miles off the off the uh, Mexico border, and I didn't see I didn't see nothing going on there, nothing at all. I was in town with over 1.3 million people. I'm, to my knowledge, I never ran across any immigrants. You know, I never seen nothing 17 miles away from the border. Uh, God, that you didn't see anything bad. Yeah, I'm thankful. I'm thankful I did. But uh, but I don't want to get sidetracked. But you know. I tell you, I, let me share this. Whenever, whenever me and you were running around, whenever we were young bucks, whenever I was in college, and just this side of me being in college, we had experienced a lot of man. We had experienced manifestations. Yep. The thing is, what I've experienced, I never at that time I never experienced it with people I have since I've been doing this job. Just to give you an example, I had a lady I was transporting. I picked her up in the area and I was transporting her up north around Dayton. And we got to talking. This poor lady was probably a little bit younger than me. And from way it sounded, she was a hard worker. She got with this guy, and he ended up getting her hooked on fentanyl. Ooh. It's a wonder she had, she's not dead. But she got to the point where she lost about everything, lost the relationship with her kids. They cut her off. They said, Mom, not until you get better, you know. We're here, but, you know, that conversation. Well, she went into a detox center, was there for, I don't remember now how many days, but she got clean, let's say a couple of weeks. And she came into our program, and I was transporting her, and she was talking about it. She, come to find out, she wasn't into drugs until she got with this guy, and she was literally in hiding from him. And the poor woman was scared whenever she got in the car. And she started sharing her heart. She started sharing different things. And we got to talking about God a little bit. And I brought it up. And um, she ended up sharing that the guy that she was with had been with and that she was running from worshiped an idol. And this idol had a particular name and I'm not going to mention that name, but it had a name and this guy would pray to it. He would tell this idol that he wanted to have sex with it. He wanted to do this. He wanted to do that with it. And he would force her to do that along with giving her, feeding her this fentanyl. Sounds like sex magic. Uh, you wouldn't think so from the name, and I'm not disclosing the name that he had given the idol. 
Right. Um, but there was, I mean, it, it, it was, he prayed for power too. He prayed for finances and all on down the line. But uh, she was afraid and scared. And I asked her, I says, do you feel, well, because she mentioned about how dark it would be. She talked about how she, she pulled time for the guy. He had that much of an influence over her that she pulled, pulled time in county uh, for him. He took, she took the rap. That way he wouldn't have to go to jail. And during one of the video visits, she said that she could tell because he wasn't himself. And that his eyes kept, kept shifting and said a few things. And she believed that he was possessed and was trying to influence her through the video call. And... Now I asked her, I says, do you feel that presence now? She says, told me, she says, yeah, I do. I said, we can take care of that right here, right now. She says, here, now? I said, yep. On this interstate, heading this direction, we can take care of it right here, right now. You want me to? She says, please. And I just started praying. And in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I bound it. I called it by name. I bound it off of her. And I told it to go now in Jesus name and I finished my prayer and I I tell you what the woman felt relieved she started thanking me and I shared with her what Jesus said I said Jesus said that if a vessel is cleaned and garnished of evil spirits that evil spirit will go to a dark place dark dry place and it will wander there for a, a time then it will come back and if he finds it cleaned and garnished, but not filled, it will go get seven other evil spirits worse than him and come back. And the latter state is going to be worse than the first. Because they build a fortification. Yeah. And, and she says, really? I says, we can take care of that too right now if you want to. She says, please. <laughs> and I let her through salvation prayer and ask, her, ask the Holy Spirit to fill her. And I tell you what, I never seen, this is not the only time I've had several of these instances. I keep it calm. I don't want manifestations. No, I prevent it because we don't need, is it possible? Yeah, but it's not needed. We have dominion. We have dominion over the demonics. And the thing is, they have only one weapon, and that is deception. And if we let them deceive us into thinking that they can trick us or they can do this or they can do that, they will. They come to steal, kill, and to destroy. That's what Satan has come for. That's what Jesus said. And he will steal anything. I mean, look at your life, Sean. Look at the, look what the enemy has stolen. He's oh. stolen a lot from my life. I'm living in a time now where I'm taking it back. Right. And I believe it's possible. And I believe it's possible for you. And I believe you probably have already seen some of yours come back. Well, oh. I know you have. You talked about some of the, some of your belongings. Yeah. And oh. I believe I'm I believe I'm going to be seeing more myself. That's that's wonderful. That's 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 a good thing. I'm I'm I'm, I'm glad. I, you, You've you've been through a lot too, and I, I 
uh, you know, I, I worry about you and I pray for you. Cause you know, cause you are like a brother to me. You are you and you and uh, our other cousin closest we had to brothers, you know? Yeah. Uh, really. But I, your, your story brings up the mind of another podcast, the podcast called the confessionals. Uh, the host is Tony Merkel. He, uh, I'm actually supposed to go on his show hopefully soon. I'm supposed to, they're supposed to be getting back with me to schedule an interview. And I'm looking forward to it, to being on the show with you. But he, he gave a testimony or, or whatever. He was telling a story. He done a lot of one-on-one ministry back in the day. I don't know if he still does or not, but um, this was an older podcast of his I was listening to. Cause I, I just really enjoy his podcast. So I try to listen to him, but um, try to listen to all of them. So I'm going through some of the older ones right now. He said he's doing one-on-one ministry, and this, he came across this one guy that asked him to come to his house and you know have a Bible study with him. And he knew the guy wasn't a Christian, so he thought, you know, okay, I'm gonna go do this, you know. And he's used to spending like two or you know like 20, 30 minutes with someone, you know, and sharing his testimony and and, and lead them to the Lord if he can, you know, sharing the gospel and moving on, you know. Well, he said this guy kept him for several hours. I'm thinking he said three or four hours and would not let him leave. And he started acting really funny. And he uh, come to find out this guy was a Satanist. And he said he wanted out of the church of Satan. Well, first of all, he acted like he'd never heard who Jesus was. So he told me about Jesus and they went, they spent a few hours, you know, going through who Jesus was. And he led him in, you know, a prayer of salvation, you know, uh, a prayer of acceptance or whatever. And suppose this guy, you know, said that, uh, you know, he was saved. He said he got up and running around the room and was acting really, really weird, shaking his arms and going into convulsions and saying he just felt weird and funny and all this kind of stuff. And then he said that he, uh, uh, after all this was said and done, he just wanted to hug him. And so he hugged him three times, and every time he'd grab a hold of him, he'd do a full frontal hug and lay his head on his shoulder and groan, make a groaning noise. Then he'd come out to this church of Satan, and he had a bunch of satanic Bibles and stuff that he wanted him to take with him and get rid of. And uh, Tony Merkel told him, said, it's fine, I'll take them, and then I'll, I'll burn them. And he started screaming, no, no, don't you burn them, blah, 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 blah. And, uh, uh, you know, he's like, no, I, I'll, I'll get rid of them, you know. And uh, he said, well, I won't burn them, man. I'll give you my word. I won't burn them, but I will get rid of them. So he called the pastor of his church, and he had, uh, and he asked the pastor, is all right if he dumped them in the church dumpster to get rid of these books because he did not want to take them home with him, right? He was afraid there would be something demonically associated or attached to it, you know. Yep. And he did not want to bring them back into his house around his wife and kids right or right. I, don't know, I don't know if he had kids in or not but around his wife anyway and anyway he said that he took those and got rid of them he said that was so weird you know that that the way that guy acted and he said his spiritual life and his relationship with god has the, been on the decline ever since that day and he doesn't know how to now i don't know if it's better now because this was an old interview okay but he said he did not know how to stop it and did not know how to change it. But he said he can look back in his life since that instance had 
you know, his spiritual life had declined and was declining ever since that day. And he went on to say that uh, later on, he had an interview with a, say, a former Satanist. You know, they'd come out of the Satanic Church, and he told him that that's one of the things that they did. Infiltrated churches, and this one Satanist supposedly had infiltrated 100 churches to do nothing but to bust them up and cause chaos and lead people astray. And he said he looks at that situation that he was in with that guy as that guy was trying to curse him in some manner. And he was going to take those Satanic Bibles with him in hopes that some kind of demonic power would follow them. And he just faked his entire conversion. He faked, yeah. he faked his, you know, it was I believe it. false profession of faith is what was what kind of what Tony was leaning to say, well, he don't know his heart, you know, and he hopes that it was real, but you know, it could have been a false profession, you know, yeah. that your story <laughs> brings me back to that. I kid you not, there was a time we were, um, me and the mother of my daughters, <clears throat> we had all three of our girls. We were up in Cleveland, and I was approached and by a homeless man. He was needing uh, money to get a bus fare, and I didn't have much money anyway, but I felt led to go on and give. We only wanted like $2, I think it was. And I said, I'll give it to you unless you, only way I'll let you, only way I will give it to you is if you let me pray for you. I said, I'm a preacher. <clears throat> and I learned a long time ago, there's times whenever you don't close your eyes whenever you pray, you pray wide open. Oh yeah. And I started praying with this guy and I, I started asking by his name and I asked God to bless him and encourage him and strengthen him. And I said, oh, by the way, God, if this old boy's lying to me, and he's going to try to go out and take his money and buy booze with him. I pray that you make that booze, not let him get drunk. I pray that you won't let him. I mean, I just went through this whole big long line of stuff that he wouldn't do and that God wouldn't allow. And that old boy, he turned, he was a black man. He turned pale. He says, uh -huh. I will not. I'm going down here. I'm getting on this bus right here. And he took off running towards that bus to get on it. And I believe that that happens. You know, there's times whenever you need to pray in such a way. Uh, another time uh, I've experienced on two different occasions where quote-unquote believers were in a very emotional service and they started acting like they were manifesting a demonic force. The first time it hadn't even crossed my mind that somebody would fake it. Mm. But the demonic force, well, what, there was no response to the commands in the name of Jesus. And if they are not responding, if the demonic force is not responding, the person is faking. Or it could be it could be a physical uh, issue. I mean, a person could be suffering something physically. That's not demonic. That it's not, and it's not it's demonic. It's emotional or, you know, or mental rather than, than spiritual. Yes. 
Yes. And let me tell you, the deeper I get into where I'm at right now, and you know my one brother-in-law. Mm-hmm. You, you know where he is in Illinois. Mm-hmm. And him pastoring a church. And he's got degrees upon degrees now. And I talk with him in regards to spiritual. Where's the, where's the line at? Where's the line where it's spiritual versus it's just it's a mental illness? Because if it's a mental illness, it's a physical thing. And I tell you what, the deeper I go and the more I understand and the more I learn, that gap is so big. And I've just have to rely on God to tell me. And it's even with whether it's um, whether it's spiritual, whether it's mental illness or whether it is drug induced. And the thing is, it can be all three can be at play in one at one in one circumstance. And it you have to approach it with kid gloves in the sense that you got to love the person but hate the demonic force behind it hate the sin but love the love the sinner and let me tell you something christianity walking and serving god it can get messy at times yeah and this is one of the things that just really turns my stomach because you know the traditional church that we come out of me and you both come out of I tell you what, let's put it like I'm gonna, I'm gonna get blunt here. I put an ad, I put a reel out not too long ago on my ministry page that I told you about, and I asked for donations for where I work because a lot of the guys they come straight from jail or they come straight from the street, they have no belongings. Some of them don't even have, I mean, they have the clothes on their back, and that is it. And that, then those are rags. And, and they come there. In the first couple of days, it takes time for, you know, for them to get into the system. You know, we provide them, my company provides them with bedding, you know, for the, you know, for a little while. And, we give them sometimes if we've got it, we give them socks, we give them underclothes, we give them a towel and a wash rag. And I put a request out and I've got like two or 300 people who are friends and not one person, not one person has donated anything other than the people that I attend church with. And I'm talking about pastors. I'm talking about deacons. I'm talking about at least five, if not six different churches that, that were, you know, that have seen this real people from these churches have seen this real. And I've yet to have a response. That is, in my opinion, if you look at Matthew chapter 25, that is a black eye. That is a black eye on the church. And does it does it burn my bacon? <laughs> Plum good and crispy. <laughs> Times are very hard, right? I mean, I'll play devil's advocate with you, though. 
on this one because times are hard. Times are hard. I've I've, I've even made uh, I've made commitments to ministries right that that I've not been able to fulfill in the last little bit. Um, that I've not been able to keep keep on because of circumstances. I get it. Uh, but um, so I mean, t- times could be hard for a lot of people right now. And I would say that services like what your your company provides could even be could even suffer more. You know, could, you know I mean, well, I can see that. I want I want to be clear. I do not, and this may be more of what is going on than anything. I do not work for a nonprofit. I do work for a for-profit organization. Right. They do. They bill. Uh, insurances, Medicaid, for an example, is one of the main ones. And, you know, I get it. I get it. I mean, a lot of, lot of churches don't want to, or a lot of church people don't want to donate to places like that because, hey, they can go buy it themselves. But I tell you what, I know guys, they wear the same stinking clothes for two or three days until a caseworker can get them somewhere to get them close. Right. And so what you're saying or, is when the people come in there, they don't have the, they're stuck in what they're wearing for several days then until they can, until they yeah. can, uh, uh, get something, you know, lined out. So what you're saying is they don't keep clothes on hand. They don't keep like they, purple pairs. They do. They do. They do keep some clothes on hand, but you know, they don't, they don't have access to them. I mean, it's not, I mean, you got to have, you got to ask for permission to go in there. The guys may not know or realize that they can do that. Um, now there's a barter system that is very similar to that of if you were in jail or in prison, that barter system goes on. I see it. I mean, there's nothing wrong with it. I mean, Hey, there was, there was one guy I took, to the facility that I'm, I'm mainly based out of and he was gone within three hours of his arrival and he ended up selling the shoes that he had on his feet so he could get gas money for the person that was coming and getting him right you know it's that type of stuff you know and pretty nice shoes that were sold for 20 bucks <laughs> well you know, $75, $80 shoes that were sold for 20 bucks. <laughs> right. Sure. It happens. Yeah. I'm sure. I'm sure it's the work that goes. Oh, it happens all the time. <laughs> I'm telling you what, I mean, I'm not going to, I mean, that's just the way that it is, you know, Right. but it's funny though it, to me, but, but, you know, I, but from a general sense, and I understand it's times hard. Yeah. But I tell you what, if you want to prosper, that's where you sow your seed. Right. I mean, I, t- I kid you not, I, I can, with our finances, I can trace an increase to a couple of different things. And the one was whenever I was, this was last Christmas, I was talking to the mother of my daughter's. And I blessed her and her husband. I just let her know. I said, I want you to understand something. 
I want you and Paul to succeed. I want you to be healthy. I want you to have finances. I want you not to be sick. I, I hope and pray that your car never breaks down. Or if you need a new one, that God provides it immediately. And I went through, I know about five minutes of different stuff that I was just announced over her. And I can trace how things got better. But if I go back almost four years ago, I committed to giving $10 to a particular ministry every month. And I started seeing increases. I wasn't working at the time. I started seeing increase in what we had. Really? And yeah. And it was just because I made that commitment of $10. It wasn't much. And it, and the reason why I went with this particular ministry was because this guy taught. I watched his videos on YouTube. And in all honesty, if I could go see him in, in Texas, I would. But I learned so much from a doctrinal standpoint once I got the Southern Baptist glasses off. Now, like I said, I'm not condemning Southern Baptist because that dogged knowing the truth mentality, knowing what the word says that was beat into my head whenever I went to college, that is why I'm here where I'm at. Right. And... I, I thank God for that. Um, I'm still living by some of the teachings. I mean, I went out and saw W.A. Criswell. Remember me talking about that? Yeah. Yeah. Down, down. Dallas, Texas. And I mean, former president of the Southern Baptist Convention, former pastor of uh, First Baptist Church of Dallas. They'd run two to 3,000 back then. I don't know what they run now. Probably more. The church, the church took up six city blocks. They had a school and they had a college. And that's where I should have went to college, to be honest about it. But I I don't know. I mean, I wouldn't be where I'm at now if I if I did. But the thing is, you know, the the things that W.A. Criswell told me in a 20-minute meeting. And the other guys that I was with took up most of his time. And I had about two minutes with him. And he spoke directly to me. And the words that he spoke to me has endured ever since. And, I mean, God brought him back to my memory this past week because, you know, the warfare got really heavy and... It wasn't that I condemned anybody. I just said, God, I'm hurting. I feel like I'm failing these guys. And I said it publicly in a prayer in front of the guys. And i tell you what, I had three before I was done praying over the guys. I had three on their knees in the floor while the others were still sitting at the table. That speaks volumes. And all I was doing was being honest with God and being true to them, you know, and that was what W.A. Criswell had taught me. And anyway, I, go ahead. 
Tell us what he told you. Well, what it was, uh, my grandfather was in the hospital and he'd only had a 50, 50 shot of surviving. This was back in 1987. And, um, he had had gangrene in his toe on his toe and, uh, he needed a bypass surgery and they needed to do a bypass. And, um, now I asked W.A. Criswell, Pastor Criswell, I asked him, I said, uh, do you have any advice for me if I have to preach this funeral? And he told me, he says, be true. Don't be afraid to sh shed tears. He says, don't, get up there and just slobber around, but let my heart come forth. And in, if Jesus is in your heart, let him out. And I mean, he just really ministered to me whenever he was speaking that he was speaking directly to me. The other guys, they were talking about politics within the Southern Baptist convention, different doctrines that was going on at the time and movements. But me asking, a direct question about doing ministry and how to be that. Cause he, I mean, he took it beyond just doing the funeral, but to be true in every aspect of ministry. And it, uh, you know, it blew the minds of the guys that I was with. And it, I believe it was from God because like I said, here it is, 87, 97, 07, 17, almost 40 years later. Right. And I'm remembering what that man said. You know, I may not remember word for word, but I remember the gist of it. Right. And I'm like, that, that's a God thing. You know, I mean, we got to be true. We got to be genuine. I mean, how many pastors do you know that put on a, put on a show every Sunday morning. Too many. I mean, I mean, I'm not, you know, I don't want to pick on, I'm not, I'm not naming names for sure. And I don't want to discredit, but there comes a time whenever, you know, are we going to be true to the word of God? Are we going to be true to ourselves? Because I'm, I, I'll be honest about it. There's religious spirits in churches. Oh, yeah. That is one thing that we face in this area uh, immensely. And you know that as well as I do. There is a bigotry among Christians. There, there oh, is. Yeah. There's a bigotry among Christians. And there is a, a, a there's even a bigotry amongst churches where if you go to this church you're better than this other Christian that goes to this church over here and even in the same uh how would Denom denomination yeah even in the same denomination there is you know the people are divided the church is divided I've never seen a time I can't say I've never seen a time like this because it's been getting like this for a long time. And we've discussed this back in the nineties, but you know, it's getting worse. It, it, it's worse now than what it was then. I guess maybe because there's more people or maybe 
it's been so prevalent so long that it's easier to recognize. I, I don't know. But, well, we're older and we see it, number one. Number two, you got that ancestry thing going on, and it's rooted even deeper. Right. You know, and and the bias that had been the seeds of bias that was planted 20, 30 years ago have reaped a harvest and more seeds have been planted. Um, now, we can sit here and um, discredit them. And if we do, we're taking part in the same garbage. You're right. And that's where one of the reasons why I like where I'm at as far as the church that we are at. Uh, it's a church plant. It's done different than what I've ever seen before. But from a scriptural standpoint, I can't see anything wrong with it. Um, I mean, I don't agree with everything, but I tell you what, whenever God is moving and you're seeing the numbers of people who are we are touching, and in the sense that we are touching them, it takes time for them to actually come into the church because they're not accustomed to going to church. You're right. And some of them are still in the program. And that's a six-month program. They're coming with me, but, you know, um, and, you know, and, and by the way, I, I want to get something clear. Sometimes these guys, <clears throat> I get guys that come to church just because they're getting out of the facility. And they're getting a taste of freedom. They're able to get away. And I get it. And the ones that are not very sincere, they end up fading away. They fall back. But I still have a good relationship with them. Right. And I thank God for that because I believe he's going to bring them back around. But it's going to happen in his time, not mine. We get too anxious sometimes, you know. Right. We, we 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 want we want we want the government that we want. We want the church that we want. We want God to move the way we want, and we don't know how to be that living sacrifice, as Paul talked about. Right. And not being conformed to this world, but being transformed by the renewing of our minds. And trust me, if anybody who would have had a renewed mind from the get-go, in my opinion, I would have had it. But I can tell you, I can sit here and I can tell you after 40 years of serving the Lord, going after him, not being perfect, but wanting to be used by him, and learning as I went, not as much as I should have earlier on. I can tell you that renewing is a process. And there's times never you will take growth process, uh, growth spurts and that renewing is there. Is it the sanctification that we go through? Kinda, 
but we have to make a effort to take on the mind of Christ. I mean, that's what Paul told the Corinthians, that's what Paul told the Philippians. You know, to have the mind of Christ. And, you know, look, it's plain and simple. What is the mind of Christ? How do you have the mind of Christ? It's the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. I also believe that there is a baptism of the Holy Spirit, which is two different things. You never thought you would have heard that from me, no, did you? But uh, I believe no, I that. No, I did not. I do believe that. Now, you are sealed until the day of redemption. Whenever you are saved, you have the Holy Spirit. He is in you. But the baptism of the Holy Spirit, that is like an explosion of the Holy Spirit inside of you. And it comes out of you. And you are surrounded by the Holy Spirit inside now. Right. And that is, and that happens for an empowerment to do ministry. Right. I mean, there's a reason why you don't see people getting healed as much in the Baptist denom. That's the reason why you don't see uh, demonic people who are, uh, who are afflicted with demonic beings being set free in the Methodists. Now, at one time you used to. Not anymore. There is. I'm not trying to pick on. I'm not trying to pick on those particular denoms, but, but, you know. I want to welcome Connor to the show. He's he's on my co-host has finally made it. Ronnie. He's he's finally decided to join us. He's he's been busy tonight with his family. He's in from the military. He's been time with his wife and his mom and. And uh, he's joined the show, too, with us now. He'll have some questions for you also. Uh, welcome, Connor. How's it going? It's going good. It's going good. Hey, Ronnie, I'm going to get back to you on this one thing. The Creek, uh, that is a church around here, and I've seen a, a post on Facebook earlier where they had baptized tens of people today. I can't remember if it was 30, 20, what, but it was tens of people, multiples of 10. And – uh I don't know why the number slips me right now, but it does. But they seem to be growing. I don't know nothing about them. I don't know if they're non-denominational. I don't know if they're Baptist. I don't know what they are. But they seem to be growing in Nicholasville, uh, Somerset, Kentucky, London, Kentucky. They seem to be getting a, a lot of uh, – they, they seem to be growing. They seem to be growing. I, and I don't know nothing about them, but they seem to be – Check them out. And there's other churches that are on the decline. Uh, and you know, well, we, we talked about putting on a show earlier. I've heard so many preachers get up and preach how thankful they were that God blessed them with an $80,000 bass boat and they don't have to work during the week. All they have to do is fish and God's been so good to them and he's going to be good to you too. <laughs> I cannot, I mean, I, I, I love these guys that, that, these preachers, I know they mean well, but I cannot stand to walk into a church and hear that kind of stuff anymore. I, it just it, it turns my nose, turns my stomach, and I just, I'm out the door first chance I get. But uh, I got one question for you, and then I'm going to let Connor talk to you because I got to take a quick break. Uh, have you ever heard of Gary Wayne? A guy named no. He wrote about an 800-page book on Nephilim, 
and giants. And he says, this is his opinion, that demonic activity and demons come from uh, fallen Nephilim, which were fallen angels who gave birth, who mixed with women. And these uh, women uh, you know, gave birth to Nephilim, which was giants. And then when those giants died during the flood or when they've been killed, you know, throughout time, those spirits can't go to heaven and they can't go to hell just yet. So they remain here on earth as demonic activity and demons. I don't know if that's, I don't know. I'd like to have your opinion on that. Well, Satan is not in hell. Jesus said that he saw appeared. He saw Satan cast from heaven as a falling star to earth. That's what Jesus said. So the only from, well, from what we know from scripture, and I think it's over in Revelations, that there are demonic forces that are, are chained in the bottomless pit. I think it is. I'm not sure now. I haven't read it in a while. <clears throat> and those demonic forces, I believe, will be turned loose in the end days, well, during sometime during the end times, uh, great tribulation, somewhere in there. I can't remember now. Um, so that what he's talking about is a theory. It is taking what is mentioned in Genesis before the flood and adding to it. I don't necessarily agree with it because, like I said, um, the demonic forces that are here on Earth, I mean, Satan's here. Where is he on Earth? I don't know. But he's on Earth in a, spirit, in, in a spiritual sense. So, and the only ones, only demonic forces that are in, hev, in hell are the ones that are bound there. So, that's what I know from Scripture. Um. And it doesn't. I mean, what you're, what he's, what he's saying, it doesn't affect me and what I believe or how I believe, and it shouldn't affect anybody else. I mean, it's just giving a explanation or a thought on what this is or what that is, and I don't necessarily agree with it. Yeah, but, I want your opinion of it because I respect your opinion. I, I have not formed my opinion on it. I, I think it's plausible, but I don't think it's highly likely impossible. I think when one third of the angels fail, I think I think a, a fallen angel can take any form at once. You know, it's still restricted. Yeah, it's still restricted. I mean, yeah, restricted. It's, it's restricted from the standpoint of what he's able to do. He still has to get permission, and there's a hierarchy. I mean, if you look at uh, Ephesians chapter 6, that hierarchy is laid out. And, and I mean, and, there, and, and there's jealousy and, and everything in that hierarchy from Satan on down, and they're fighting amongst themselves. And that's one of the reasons why you see some... Uh, nations fighting against each other it's because those in that hierarchy on each one is mad at the other one 
and they're getting trying to take over different regions. Going back to the, the book of Daniel and the Prince of Persia, I will take a quick break. Connor, you and Ronnie just finish this discussion. So I, I had a couple of questions, man. I um, I asked in the comment section. I was like, "Do you believe that Freemasons are Satanist?" <laughs> I've known a few. Um, on the on the on the ground level, no. Because I've known a few. Uh, Connor, me and you are both descendants of a Freemason. Um. And those of you that are listening, yeah, me and Connor are cousins. Um, and I do not believe that he was the, the one that we are descendant from. I do not believe that he was a Satanist. Now, the founders of Freemason, the hierarchy of Freemason, very well possible. Very well possible. I, there's from, too many. There's too many symbolisms. You know what I'm saying. I agree, and it, like they, they all seem to worship the same satanic circle. They, they love the black and white. They, they love. Um, they all have the same artifacts, and they, they, I feel like what they follow and what I have seen, anyway, from the Freemason group, it comes more off of from a cult, a, a cultic uh, behaviors and. Um, I was I have never been a Freemason, but I what I have heard and what I have researched, it seems to have come or it seems to have became more of a uh, a satanic group more than them worshiping the Lord in itself. And um, same with you guys were mentioning the the preachers who profit off of the churches and um, they're not really giving back to the church. Yeah, I, I totally disagree with that as well because uh, the the people are paying the church, not the preacher. You know what I mean? Why is the preacher profiting? Why are these preachers flying um, private planes? Why are they driving $100,000 cars? Why are they living on multimillion-dollar properties? And um, well, Well, I'm not going to... <sighs> I understand where you're coming from, and there are those that I believe are putting on a show, and they are prospering. But I also believe that there are pastors that are independently wealthy, and God has blessed them. And I do not necessarily think that it is wrong for them to be wealthy. Now, bragging about it. Hey, I got a bass boat. All I got to do is, you know, all I got to do is come in here and preach on Sunday mornings and the rest of the time I'm fishing. You know, I, that's, that, that turns my stomach too, you know, because <clears throat> um, I understand what it means to be a pastor and, I also understand what it means for that pastor and what that job is supposed to be for. Um, to get money, you know, that's something else. I now, also, something that since I, and this is something I believe I need to explain too, 
since I left the Southern Baptist Convention, I have seen and witnessed different types of ministry and different types of churches. And we are accustomed to a certain way that the church is autonomous and that the church is led by, by Lord Jesus Christ. And he puts a shepherd in there and that shepherd is pastor and that shepherd, that pastor might be pastor here for a little while for a few years and he may go to another church and they'll bring in somebody else um, from the county that where you were raised. I'm familiar with the churches in that area because even though I wasn't raised there, I've got family who pastored in those churches and they would move from one church to another from time to time. That was the, the scheme that I was raised with and everything. But since I've left of the Southern Baptist convention and I've seen different ways that they do it. And I know, I know one particular ministry that I've been watching on and off for the past 30, 40 years. And yeah, he has multiple jet. He has a couple of different jets and, you know, but at the same time, he's a very wealthy man and I'm not going to mention him, but at the same time, he has a school that he brings uh, ministers through and they are being taught there. He also um, gives and puts together, um, oh, what's the word? <sighs> puts together benefits for like earthquake victims and different things like that. Oh, he shares and, his wealth with like he, he funds and gives donations and stuff like that. Yes, yes so he organizes it and... And there's more people who are given because he does all this stuff, and it, it's, it's increasing his wealth too. And that that's good to hear. Um, there's nothing wrong with a pastor being rich, in my opinion. Um, I believe what is the that definition of rich. <laughs> I, well, that's true too. I I believe anything over I believe anything over eighty thousand, in my opinion might be the top one percent i i think statistically it's a hundred thousand right anything over a hundred thousand is the one percent but um when it when it comes to uh self-sustainable businesses th that they are not using they're not using the church too longer and and to avoid taxes of course it is okay for a pastor to be rich and um the i believe that when it when these pastors do go out and they do help do these fundraisers and they do um, share some of the, um, the wealth that they have, um, they have received and the blessing that they have received with other people. That's great to hear. Um, I was mostly referring to like some of the pastors who, you know, who don't really just don't just write books and who don't just sell like real estate property and stuff like that. Um, who uses the, the church as their only source of income and um just set and instead of because in my opinion it's a donation right the, the the people are donating the money not just to the pastor but to also keep the church running and to help the church grow um 
but yeah, like you said, there. Uh, it's good to hear that there are pastors who are self-sustained, and um, that they are helping other people. Um, well, well, we the what is it? The nonprofit four oh whatever C three. I can't remember now. It's the tax C three. Yeah, five hundred one three C three. Five hundred one C. Five hundred one C. Yeah, five hundred one C three. Yeah, that that's the federal uh, tax thing. Um, the way that that is set up, the pastor cannot be the owner of the nonprofit. Okay, but he can be head of it. There should be. And by law, there has to be a board that runs the nonprofit. And unless it's set up from a membership standpoint, and that's what me and Sean are used to, the churches had business meetings and we voted on things. There was still a board, but the membership called the shots and that's where pastors can become politicians and that's you know get really sketchy there too um and but if there's but if it's board ran and the pastor's ahead of the board then you know there's a set salary typically and it goes on from there. I mean, it's still a nonprofit. The members or the people who donate to the nonprofit will get a receipt at the end of the year. They can write that off the taxes, so on and so forth. Uh, but the, I mean, I, that is, that gets into sketchy business sometimes. And I've learned more about that in the last five years than I care to know. And I mean, it. Uh, I've been in churches where it was a production, and but at the same time, I was highly blessed through that church. Uh, received an offering that I wasn't anticipating at a very crucial time in my life from this church, from the members of the church. But at the same time, a lot of money was going in a in the wrong direction. Let's just put it, leave it there. But, um, you know, we got to be careful. <clears throat> what, do you, what do you think a, um, a person who is just now entering, uh, not me, like I've been brought up in church, of course, but what do you think, a, what do you think a person should do if they're trying to, um, start their journey, start to learn about the Lord? What, uh, denomination do you think they should follow? What, um, Bible should they should they purchase or um what that's a loaded question. Thanks, Connor. He's good. Um, <laughs> what translation? Yes. Well, I've got I've got three, four that I use. I grew up on the King James Version, cut my teeth on that. Uh, my church uses the new King James version. Now, 
Connor, I don't know if your daddy's told you this or not, but I majored in biblical studies. I minored in biblical languages. I've had two years of Greek, one year of Hebrew. And as you may know, the New Testament was mainly written in Greek and Aramaic. The Old Testament was mainly written in Hebrew. Um, there is a translation that I prefer overall, and that is the Holman Christian Standard. Now, you got to understand also we have the writings, the manuscripts. Um, if I remember right, there's like seven different canons, and a canon is a collection of writings. Uh, I can't remember the names of them all. All the ones I can remember right now is the Vaticanus, which is where the Catholic Church comes from. They get their 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 Bible from. There's Alexandrius, and there's like four or five more, and I can't remember now which ones, what they're called. Now, the Holman Christian Standard, they took the oldest manuscripts and translated Okay, and I believe, well, my Greek professor worked on that, on the translation of that, and that guy could sit there and just rattle it off, read it to you in Greek, and then turn around and translate it in English. He didn't have to sit down and look it up, and he, I mean, he, he was that good. And I didn't agree with him doctrinally, but from his ability to read, you know, I, I trust the Holman Christian standard above all. I do have an ESV that I mainly read from and I do my, my live cast from, um, on Facebook, on my ministry page. And, um, but, um, but the Holman Christian standard, you got to understand too, uh, the manuscripts, at least for the new Testament, we can, uh, there's manuscripts that date back to within a hundred years of the original writings. We do not have the original writings for the new Testament. And obviously we don't for the old, but if we have copies that date back to within a hundred years, then the person that penned that copy either knew Paul or he knew somebody that did. And I want to get back as close to the original as I possibly can. Now, I understand that there are those who like the Amplified. They like the message. They like, uh, I can't, passion. I don't really because it's not, they tried, they tried to stay true to the spirit of the word. I'd rather have the legitimate word. I don't want to be misled. That's me. I agree. Definitely when it comes to your, uh, um, your religion, right? Because we, you know, you don't want to be misled and misled to believe the wrong thing. And like some, some denominations, they believe once saved, always saved. And others believe if you, you know, if you sin and, and you go against God, you are no longer saved. And if you lose faith, you're no longer saved. And it, it's a huge stretch. And, um, well, you've hit the gamut and I want you to understand I was brought up and I believed and I could argue very strongly once you're saved, you're always saved. I agree. But what do you do with those people who've walked away from their faith? 
I, I, I believe something or the people who've walked away from their faith, I think it will take something in their life to get them to believe again. You know what I mean? It does. It, I agree. I'm, I'm married to one of those individuals. <laughs> you got to believe. Go ahead. She believed that there was a time in her life that she believed. And then she got so fed up with what was going on in her life that she wasn't that she did not believe in God. But she says, God, I'm done. And she believes that during that time period, if she would have died, she would have split hell wide open. And she can make the argument pretty clear. And I'm not going to stand here and try to argue with her because that was her experience. Because even whenever she was in it, she believed that. If I die right now, I'm going to hell and I know it. And before me and her got together... You know, her and her and God got their ordeal worked over <laughs> and what have you. But, you know, that's her experience. And it's hard for me to say, stand back here and just judge. No, you were saved. You just didn't know it. You just didn't realize. No, I, I'm not going to go there. It ain't worth the argument. You know what I'm saying? Yep. So what do you say about the people who believe in different denominations, right? Because if we're all saved by the blood of you know, Jesus gave his life for us. If we are all saved by Jesus, do you think the other denominations that believe differently will also be accepted into heaven? I mean, um, what, what denoms are you referring to? Cause everything underneath the Christian, uh, umbrella believes that Jesus Christ died for, for lost mankind. So what about, what about the Jews? Do you think the Jews, I, they are not keen over Jesus, correct? So they are, um, do you believe that they would be accepted believing that Jehovah, you know, the Lord, um, do you think that they would be able to be entered at, to enter heaven just by the belief of Jehovah over Jesus? Or what do you believe about that? Well, if you look at what Jesus taught, uh, well, actually, he told the Pharisees, who were the religious leaders, well, and the Sadducees, too. He told them both, if you knew my father, you would know me. If you knew me, you'd know the father. And they that made them mad, and they wanted to kill him. Um, they rejected him. Um, now, if, we were, if you were talking about... Go ahead, Sean. That was me as Connor. I'm listening. Okay. Um, if you're talking about before Jesus, yes, I believe that they are in heaven. This side of Jesus, I believe that there are, well, there is a sect of Judaism who are messianic, who have accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, but they still practice a lot of the traditions from the Jewish religion. I believe they're going. Um, now, if you are talking about the different denoms, there's a lot of legalism and a lot of different denoms underneath the Christian umbrella. And honestly, I'm going to tell you what, I believe, I believe, are their doctrines wrong? In some cases, yes. But I believe it also that there are some people who need that rigid line 
if they believe that if I sin tomorrow, I'm going to, and if I die, I go to hell. They need that rigid line to help them to walk that narrow path. And if it helps them to serve Jesus and to believe in Jesus, I'm not going to stand in their way and, and try to convince them otherwise, unless it gets to a point where it's hurting other people. You know what I'm saying? I do. Yep. It, uh, re- religion is very important when it comes to a culture and to a, to a country too. Um, without religion, uh, people have no moral. I believe religion is what brings moral. I believe what uh, religion is what created moral, uh, at least in the sense of, um, well, I, I don't I don't agree with that statement because it was religion is man-made, whereas God put it in us to worship him or worship a God. And people have found all over the world different ways to worship something. And that's how you've ended up with a lot of different different religions. And so I agree with what you're saying but I don't think that it actually comes from religion as much as it just comes from God having that in us to want to do good. But at the same time, many are tempted to do evil. Yes. And go ahead. Oh, so, so I had misspoke. Yes. I, I agree with you. It comes from God, not just all religion, because I am sure that there has been religions in the past where, I'm not sure what the Aztec worships, but I do know that they did kill their own people for a religious sense. Right. And that's not morally correct. Definitely in the terms of the Bible and what God has given us and what God has told us. Right. So when I meant religion, I didn't mean our, the religion, the only religion that matters. And that's, you know, okay. I have two two bones to pick with you guys. Number one, as a seventh degree Mason, I am not a Satanist. I just want to clarify that. <laughs> I don't know that. I, 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 I believe that this. And my two great grandfathers that were both Masons, higher degrees than me. I know one of them was anyway. Uh, they were not Satanist either. <laughs> it's just the pentagrams. When 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 I when I look at masonry and I see the triangles and I see the stars and I see and I and I see the pentagrams and it just makes me think that like these guys are not worshiping what they should be worshiping. You know what I mean? Hey, hey, Connor, you got to understand. We, me and Sean, me and your dad, we know the men that were masons. Yeah. I'm not saying that the, you know, the small town, um, homegrown, you know, yeah, the individuals the themselves. I believe that, like you said, maybe the higher ups, right? They what they teach and yeah. what they teach down. It, it's it's kind of like a pyramid scheme, right? The top person yeah. passes down, and it keeps going down to the bottom. I I'm not saying that the people at the bottom are the ones worshiping Satan. I'm saying that, in my opinion, as a whole. I believe that the Masons might be worshiping Satan that as a whole up at the top of the pyramid, right? Okay, okay nice. now Connor, I got a question for you, Connor. What are you gonna do about it? No, no, I I'm the I was just wondering your all's opinion. I know dad <laughs> used to be a Mason. It um right, because when when I see something like that, right, 
it, it does confuse me because they 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 have the illusion that they're praising and that 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 they're pushing for the Lord and um, but like like I said when when I see the the, the demonic triangles and the pentagrams and um, all that kind of stuff it it does make me think that there's a higher not not a higher thing but there's more of a there's more to go into than, than just worshiping. Yes, a hidden agenda. Yes. You know, there is this the, the star of David is, is is stars and triangles as well, right? That is true, but not the pentagram though. But now I'm only, oh my goodness. There's not a pentagram in, in Masonry. There is a pentagram for sure in the Eastern Star, which is not which is not Masonic. It is a separate organization for kind of like the ladies. You know, All but, right. but uh, but there is two there's two paths of masonry, and I'm giving Shriners you and the Irish right. Now the the York right and the Scottish right. Now the York okay, right, my bad. In, which I am a, a part of the York right. I am the the York right side, and that is you have to be Christian to go up that side. The Scottish side, you do not have to. Uh, believe in Christ. All you is that do, the Shriners? Uh, yeah, they. You, yes, it goes on to Shriners. But um, on the Scottish side, you can believe in any higher power. So it doesn't matter if it's Christ or or what, as long as you believe in a higher power than yourself. So that have the line divided. And that is where you can have influence from other religions come in. And that is why you have so many uh, Jewish and and Islamic members that are Masons coming into the organization. I can't really do, delve into anything other than that because it is it is a fraternity. It, it, it you know it's it's for members only, and you know it's not a cult. <laughs> it's not a cult, guys. <laughs> you don't do cultish things there. Well, it's like Vegas. What happens at the lodge stays at the lodge. But I guarantee you, it's nothing that's going on in Vegas. It's nothing that's going on, you know, that uh, that your grandma would be ashamed of happening. But, uh, you know, there's nothing that goes on there your grandma would, would, would frown on it, if you could tell her. But you can't tell her. But uh, I'll, I'll leave that at that. But uh, there was something else that you all touched on that I wanted to bring back around. And uh, it was when you was discussing the uh, it was when you was discussing the the translations. Now that Holderman Bible, I, I, I've heard of that. I do not have one, but wasn't that trans- Holman? Holman, yeah. Holman Christian. Yeah, that was trans. That was a later translation. What the seventies or eighties? Is that correct? Late eight, late eighties, early nineties. Oh, okay. Because okay. one of the guys I actually graduated with worked on it. Well, I didn't okay. graduate with him. He, right. he was two years ahead of me. If you right. have Bible Gateway as an app on your phone, it is on that on that app. I mean, I, I've read I've read some of you know in the uh, like my Google Home, like when you pull up scriptures on my Google Home on the home screen, a lot of times it'll give you multiple translations, and that is one of the one of the translations it does pull up from time to time, along with the KJV and, and everything else. I want to go back to to the Catholic Bible. You said that was translated from a certain canon. And I have had a desire to purchase and read the Apocrypha for the past several years. Um, 
I don't know if it's my own my own curiosity or my or or you know I'm feeling led to do that. I I, I don't know. I you know I don't know. But I do know. Before you do, I would encourage you to find out why. Why do you want to do it? Well, I do know why I want to do it. Because, because I'm gonna. I mean, if it's not, I mean, why? I mean, if you're gonna look at it, it didn't make it did not make it into the Bible right. for a reason. Yeah, and there's reasons for that too. And and you may disagree with me on, on this. Uh, I believe God has power to preserve His word, and I'm not saying that that He didn't. Because the Bible's still here, the right. the, the key the key parts. But and I'm not. I mean, look at all the, look at all the other writings that took place just within the time frame of the writing of the New Testament. Right. Yeah. I mean, there was a lot. There was yeah. a lot. You know, the one, the Book of Thomas or whatever that that was discarded. You know. No, I'm uh, talking. I'm talking about. I'm talking about like 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 Caesar's writings. Right. I'm right. talking about Josephus. Right. And, you know, both of those, they only have maybe between the two of them, a couple hundred manuscripts and they can't get within a hundred years. They can only get within a 500 years of the original writings. Right. But with the New Testament, we have over 2000 copies. Right. And we have some that get within a hundred years. Right. That is God preserving his word. Plain exactly. and simple. I, I agree. I, you won't have an argument with me about that at all. <laughs> but what I'm getting to is where the King James Bible quotes and refers to the book of Enoch several times. One's in Jude. But yet Enoch didn't make it into the King James Version Bible. But yet verses and references to the book of Enoch were now what i found out and i've heard about the book of enoch the only copies is a a later copy which is newer than the new newer than the new testament so the original writings that enoch wrote they've lost they're lost to time so why didn't god preserve that i don't know so it could be a forgery or maybe he did in the later writings but it could be a forgery then so the reason yeah, why it it's is a forgery is, because they can't date it back any further. So if it was, um, so if it is a forgery, whoever wrote it could have read the Bible and then just put stuff in that. Yeah. Or could it be oral translation? Because you know there was a lot of oral translation down. You know there. Well, that's how been. we got the first five books was oral yeah. translation, and then Moses put it down into writing the first right. five books. Now. I don't necessarily think that that was the case. You got to understand, I mean, this side of Christ within a couple hundred years, well, especially during the time of Constantine, he, I mean, it was, it became popular to be a Christian. And if you had anything that you could associate with Jesus or the first church, it was worth money. Right. And they sold it. I mean, that is, that's where a lot of these books came from. You know, I mean, they were trying to sell something. Right. I mean, they're trying to be entrepreneurs, you know, trying to make a dollar. I hear that I'm 
Go ahead. Here's, here's another point of mine about reading this Apocrypha. Because as Baptist, okay, I was non-denominational, became Southern Baptist. You were Southern Baptist, became non-denominational. So we've had a transition in our, our pathways. But Southern Baptists have a strict timeline and guideline for end times. A lot, of, a lot of your other Baptists don't. Some of your other Christian churches do have a similar path to the Southern Baptist of what they think is exactly going to happen step by step. I started delving into the end times a few years ago when I come across the call, a guy called Bill Baxter or Bill Paxton or something like that. I can't remember his name, but he had a he had a YouTube channel and, and me and the ex-wife would watch it a lot. And he delved into the fact that some of these prophecies were multi-fulfilling in the in the end times. Like uh, there would be two fulfillings of like the Okay, let's just take, for instance, like it talks about in the book of Revelations when one of the seals is opened or broken or whatever, that a huge uh, fire comes from the sky and a third of all the ships were destroyed upon the ocean or upon the waters. Okay, in World War II that happened. You know, a mountain of fire fell on Nagasaki and, and the other Japanese place. I can't remember the name slips me right now, but you know what I'm talking about. And the, during World War II, a third of all the ships were destroyed upon the seas. So he says that is a, you know, a, a first fulfilling and there might be a second fulfilling or we're so far along in the judgments of God. That is one reason why I want to go into that apocrypha to see if maybe there's more things going on in the timeline than what we realize. Because you know what? We're, we're, we're. We are at the point of something very significant happening right now, and I don't know if you know it, but if that's the case, we're midway through the tribulation and don't even know it. And you know what I'm talking about? I, mean, I, am, familiar, I am familiar with the train of thought in which you're going, and as you can tell by the tone of my voice, I'm noncommittal. Right. <laughs> For a right. reason? Right. Okay. But now, Connor, are you still there? I am. Yeah, I've been listening. Okay. You asked me about translations, and yes, Sean, I'm ignoring you for right now. You asked me about translations. You also asked me about what denom. I, I can't do. really give you a denom that I would recommend, but I would say this. Take a look around at the bodies of believers that are around you. Now, you're going to be, are you going to be still where you are right now, or are you going to be moving to another state? I'm moving to another state. So that's why I need to try to find something that, uh, that sounds close to what I, I believed in, because I, I know I'm not going to find Baptist in Oklahoma. I might not. So, yeah, you will, but but the thing is, the thing is that I want to encourage you to do is look at the churches that are busy doing God's work. Now, the thing is, what is God's work? Uh, James said, true religion. 
um, they take care of the orphans and the widows. That's what James said. Um, if you look at the book of Acts, you see that played out. They were taking care of, taking care of each other and working together and spreading the gospel and teaching, not just filling classes, but teaching the word of God and not being afraid to go into the dark areas like, like I am going into a rehab. Um, I encourage you to find one of those types of churches, even if you don't fully agree right now with their doctrine, as long as you are open to the guidance of the Holy Spirit to show you what the truth is. You see, that's what I had to do. Um, honestly, I don't think I was ever truly a Southern Baptist because there were things that, that I questioned and from the time that I was in junior high on and they, the t Sunday school teachers thought that I was just being mean and being that bratty pastor's kid and others thought that I was doing things to spy on teachers and run back and tell my dad who was the pastor, uh, what they were doing. Uh, but I would ask questions like, what, what does, you know, what Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice and they follow me. What does that mean? And I have, I remember asking this in several different, different Sunday school classes, whenever it would come up, majority of them said, oh, that means whenever Jesus calls you, to be saved, you follow him. And, well, I said, what about throughout life? Well, that too, but they wouldn't go in depth. Yep. I believe that Holy Spirit indwells a person, and that if that person is really, truly seeking God, this is what I believe now, Holy Spirit will guide them, and that is Jesus' voice. And we, the sheep, are following. You follow me? I am. I am following. I understand where you're coming from. And um, you think that I should uh, go towards something that is preaching from the Bible that I have read and grew up on. It doesn't – it, we grew up on the new King James Version or the King James Version or whatever. Um, and um, you're saying to – Bounce around churches who um, seem to actually do God's bidding and actually following the Lord and um, the Holy good Spirit of the people, right? Yep. Yeah, Holy Spirit will show you. I mean, don't be afraid. I mean, most churches nowadays have a website. Okay. And you can get on there and you can look at their uh, profession of faith or their mission statement. And you can get a good idea what they what they believe and what they think. Um, you know, not, not every church is out to get the dime last dime out of your pocket. And, you know, you got, the, you, and there are some that are, but don't get me wrong, but, but there are those who believe that they are truly serving God. They're just not doing much. Beware of them because they're not very deep. And 
you know, and don't get hung up on end times. Know what it says, but if you're not living it, your faith is dead. That's what James said. But, uh, James was, um, yeah, James. Oh, let me see. This one's already open, and I'm referring to my Bible. Give me a second. I know exactly where I'm going. James chapter. Chapter 2, verse 14. What profit, what doth it profit, my brethren, though a man say he hath faith and hath not works, can faith save him? If a brother or sister is naked and destitute or of day, daily food, and one of you say unto him, Depart in peace, be you warmed and filled, notwithstanding you give them not those things which are needful to the body, what doth it profit? Even so, faith, if it hath not works, is dead, being alone. Yea, man may say, Thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I'll show you my faith by my works. Thou believest that there is one God, thou doest well. Demons also believe and tremble. In a nutshell, what James is saying there is, if you don't have works, you don't have faith because your faith is dead. You say you believe, but your actions tells another tale. Like what I tell my guys where I work, I tell them very free, often, very often, you will live what you believe. And you'll live out what you, you will live out what you believe. If you believe that Jesus is Lord and he is your Lord, you're going to live it because you're going to want to please him. If you believe that he is your provider, yeah, you're going to do your part by finding a job and you're going to do your part by going to work and you're going to seek it out, but you're also going to understand that he's providing you through that job. And it goes on even further, even to the point of if you believe Mark chapter 16, and all these signs shall follow them who believe. And it lists all these different things that happen, which I have seen a lot of them. Took, taken in, majority of them, been a part of. I haven't raised the dead yet, don't worry. <laughs> I'm looking, I am looking forward to that, though. I am looking forward to that. Uh, but that's going to freak me out, I know. I'm going to pee myself. But... Do I believe that's going to happen? Yeah. I believe I'm going to lay hands on somebody and Jesus is going to raise them up. Why? Because his word says so. And that's my faith in action. Now, what I'm encouraging you, Connor, as you go to this other state, is you look for a church or a body of believers that believe wholeheartedly <laughs> And want to serve Jesus. And if they're not, if, if they're just going through the actions and putting on an act, and it, it may be high production and big old band and smoke, smoke machines and fog machines and all that and big old flashy lights, 
great, fine, yay, thumbs up. But if they're not doing the work of God and you're not seeing God's hand being moved and him touching people through this body, stay away from them. Okay. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it doesn't mean that, I mean, there's obvious denoms uh, that you know to stay away from who are under the Christian umbrella. And I, as you tell, I'm avoiding very strongly and very hardly not to mention them. <clears throat> but anyway, some of those, in all honesty, outwork true Christians. They outwork them. And I'm not working for my salvation. I'm working because I have salvation. Yes, sir. Does that make sense? Um, Does that yes. make sense? I do have a question, too. Um, because you mentioned them putting up a front, them pretending to be strong believers and them pretending to uh, do what's best. How could you tell the difference between um, someone who's putting on a show and someone who actually is following in the footsteps of the Lord, uh, who is walking? They will give credit to God. They will show humility. Um, just like I've shared, I've tried to be humble and I've shared with your dad different things that have transpired since I've been at this job that I've been on. And, but it's not me. It's Jesus working through me. I haven't shared everything, <laughs> but you know, the, the, you can tell, um, you can tell that they're not sharing everything. You can tell whenever they're saying, look at me, look what I did. I mean, think of it, look at it like this. You've been in the locker room at, at school, whenever you're going through high school, and you heard the guys talking and bragging about all the things that they did. Okay. The same mentality will be in the church if they're just doing it for the kicks. You're going to find some of the same language. Look at me. I did this. I did that. No. If they're a true follower of Jesus Christ, they're going to be giving him the glory. Yes. Now, don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. There's times whenever we have to share that stuff because you're sharing what Jesus did and you're wanting to lift up somebody else's faith. Lift up their understanding of who Jesus is. And you're wanting to lift up who he is in their hearts and their minds so that they can do go out and be used of God in the same manner. Just be careful. Listen. Be patient. Holy Spirit will guide you. Yes, sir. And, Dad, did you say you wanted to pick up a uh, – what's the, what's the book that the um, – uh, Catholicism, the the Catholics. What do they read? The the, the Catholic Bible. The Catholic Bible. So when I went through uh, boot camp, I all I attended was the Catholic, uh, the Catholic schooling. Uh, it was more of a. Is during Easter they done the seven seven weeks of Easter and all that kind of stuff and. Um, I felt more drawn to that than to the gospel side. The gospel is mostly music. Um, 
they they done a little bit of preaching here and there. I I went to two of their services. It was mostly um, singing though over actual preaching and teaching and guiding. Um, the what I but what I did feel or, or at least heard from the the Catholic side, I I did not agree with. Is was there a reason why you wanted to get into that side, Dad? Or read no, the book? I wanted to read the Apocrypha because it's not in the other books. And according to the way we believe, um, end times progression goes about, we believe that you know the end times are not even here. You know, we're getting close to them, but they're not nowhere here because the church is still here. There is a predominant mindset that believes that. Right now we're facing, we already have the technology here in place to, uh, number one, the mark of the beast, and it's coming. A, a global currency is coming. If you study or read any kind of financial markets or know anything about economics, what's going on in the world right now, with the banks consolidating and everything else going on with the banking industry, the mark of the beast is coming. And it's also going to be tied to health care and everything else and some kind of social credit score and a multitude of other things. And it's already active in places. People have already accepted the mark of the beast in places as far as my belief is concerned. But they may not have accepted the mark of the beast, but they have accepted a front runner, if not the mark of the beast. Second of all, uh, getting into spiritual warfare, there is something that is very significant that is happening right now. According to the scripture, there is four angels bound in the middle of the river Euphrates that will be loosed upon the earth when it goes dry. And the river Euphrates is going to dry right now as we speak. And when that river goes dry, according to scripture, those angels will be released and they will slay a one third of all mankind. And uh, so my thing is, the reason why I was, I'm interested in reading the Apocrypha because I am concerned that we don't have the whole story. And if anybody, if you don't know me, I obsess over things. I obsess over yeah, information. You do. I obsess over information. Uh, hey, Sean, from what I'm, what I remember, I haven't read every book of the Apocrypha. I'll be honest about it. But from what I remember, I don't remember any that talked about much about end times i'm not saying that they don't but at the same time i don't remember them much talking about it i mean tobit was one of them you got first and second book of maccabees which was basically telling how the maccabeans raised up and tried to kick well they did they they uh, fought the greeks whenever greeks were uh had control over jerusalem um I can't remember the other books, but those those are ones that come to my mind. But, you know, there is another predominant uh, mindset or doctrine, like doctrine of the end times. Well, let me see. You got the premillennial, you got the postmillennial, you got the amillennial. And that ain't even talking about the post pre-trib post-trib and mid-trib yeah mid-trib uh and that's that's basically six different doctrines i know i and i have debated uh a college 
a Southern Baptist college professor who believed that the church was going to go through the great tribulation. And we debated to a draw. And he said, Ronnie, I hope you're right, but I'm afraid you're wrong. And I said to him, I'm afraid. I said, I hope I'm right too, but I'm afraid I'm wrong as well. And because we went back and forth on, on it. And, and the only thing that I can say that we can do as believers now in regards to the end times is preparing the next generation to love and to serve Jesus and to love one another because we don't really know. And in all honesty, these doctrines that are, you know, eschatology, that is part of eschatology, it wouldn't surprise me one bit if we missed it. But at the same time, the technology, like you said, I agree with you, the technology is more in place now, especially with the AI stuff. Especially with AI. It is more in place. I wasn't even thinking about the AI, which could be they gave life. Well, think about it. Think about it. Think about what's going to happen to the Antichrist. He's going to take a hit to the head that's going to be mortally damaging to him. We're going to see him die. Somebody's going to see him die. And in three days, he's coming back to life. Now, why couldn't the a why couldn't the Antichrist be AI? Right. That's just me and my feeble mind thinking, with my understanding of AI, which is very limited. Now, do you see where I'm coming from? Where I believe that what we need to do is to be diligent in teaching and doing what is right in the eyes of God serving him in whatever capacity he has called us to. You see, this is something that my pastor teach, teaches us, and I can't find it scripturally wrong. Oh, no, it's 100% right, and what you're saying is absolutely correct. No, let me finish what I'm saying. He says that if you're saved, you're called. Yeah, we're all called in some aspect. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. What is it that we're called to? We're called to serve Jesus. There is an office. He has a calling on our lives. I mean, Sean, we can talk about callings. I mean, we've talked about callings since the 90s. I mean, you have. Right. And and honestly, I'm looking at me. I have not fully walked in my calling, and I blamed other people. And the, and the thing is, it was my fault. Plain and simple. And I thank God for where I'm at now. I'm going to finish strong, it, And I'm going to take every one of these guys I possibly can with me. So, you know, I don't, that's why whenever I told you, whenever you asked me about coming on here, I, I told you I really didn't want to talk about some of this, some of these things, these topics that you were referring to. Right. I don't have time to really dig into them. Right. Because I'm too busy doing the Lord's work. <laughs> right. 
and you're too busy and, focusing on a job at hand to worry about yeah. the, the studying of other things. Uh, and I understand that. Yeah, I understand 100. percent I mean, I'm I'm in the middle of writing a paper now that's due on Tuesday. <laughs> right. And it's um, oh, what is the name of it? I ain't even got my book. Uh, it's study of man. And next week, week after, yeah, week from Tuesday, we're going to be studying sin. What is sin? We've already studied um, the study of the Bible. We've uh, did a, the study of theology, Christology, pneumatology, which is study of the Holy Spirit. That was interesting. And... I ain't going to go there. I'll leave that alone. That's for another discussion. But, um, yeah, I mean, Connor, I encourage you to get into a, a church that is willing to um, invest time and effort into helping you understand more of who God is through the Bible. Yes, sir. That's, that's that's what I need. I need somebody to teach me more because I am willing to learn. Um, I would sit down and we and um, I would sit down and read the book of Job. I, I got through a couple of the chapters. Um, Job. Yeah, Job. That 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 was a uh, that's probably one of my or that's one of the books I find more entertaining over because you know he lost everything and he still followed the Lord. I I hope that. I won't go through something that he went through, but I also wish I do had the strength to, um, to love the Lord, even though I would have nothing. Right. Hey, and, I, Connor, and I look up to that. Hey, Connor, you're talking to two men who have walked in on some of the same roads that Job has walked on. Yes, sir. You are talking to two men that have. Okay. And I mean, is it going to happen to you? Hey, I'm going to tell you right now, don't think for a minute that things won't go bad because the enemy's going to attack. Yes, okay. They, if you are diligently seeking to serve God, you're going to run into obstacles and you're going to run into things and things are going to happen. It doesn't matter. Uh, I'm not saying you're going to go through a divorce. I hope, pray to God, you don't. I hope you have. I hope you have a, are you married? I am. Yes, sir. Oh, that was you that had those pictures on Facebook. Okay. Congratulations. Thank I you, hope sir. you have a relationship that goes as long as my mom and dad, their relationship has. Okay. I mean, my dad was devastated whenever my mom went home and he has not been the same man since. And I'm not wishing that on you, but I, what I am wishing on you is the same type of relationship that you guys grow old together. Yes, sir. Serving God. That is what I'm speaking over you. Okay. Now, I believe that there's power in words. Me and your dad talked about that earlier. And I'm speaking that over you. I'm blessing you with that. Okay. Um, what was I else was I gonna say? Oh yeah. Be diligent. 
you need to love you're gonna this is this is gonna throw you for a loop if it don't I'm, i'll be shocked but you need to love jesus more than you love your dad love your mom love your wife and your grandparents you need to love Jesus so much that it seems like you hate all those people. Yes, sir. And I challenge, I challenge you with that. Okay. That is a challenge. Yes. And you're going to have to seek it. Jesus said, asking you shall receive, seeking you shall find, knock, and it shall be opened unto you. I believe that that is three stages. Some things are going to come that easy. All you have to do is ask. Other things, you're going to have to look for it. And other things, you're going to have to knock on some doors. Yes, sir. And I encourage you to read John chapter 15 and take your time whenever you read it. I want to take a note of that real quick. I also encourage you to get a strong concordance. Sean, do you still have yours? Uh, no, I do not. I gave it to a uh, preacher friend of mine. I wish I still had okay. it, but I, I gave it to a, um, I gave it to a, a, I gave it to a, can't remember his name. That's fine. I encourage you, Connor, to get one or get you a key keyword. Hang on. Keyword study Bible. It's a Greek and Hebrew study Bible. It has a strong concordance and a, and a Vines expository dictionary in the back of it. That's another thing that you can get. That way you can look up words and find out what they mean. Yes, sir. Does that make sense? Vines, V-I-N-E-S, expository dictionary. I had one of those strong concordance. I had two of those actually, and I I gave them both to the same to the same uh, preacher. Uh, that was uh, the the ex wife's pastor. He didn't have any kind of study materials, and he was, uh, you know, he was put in a position where he was uh, uh, where we had a guy in the church that was teaching and talking way over his head. So I was trying to help him out there. So I <laughs> those on to him. And, uh, you know, to try to help him out uh, because I, I have numerous study Bibles, MacArthur, Life Application, and the Hebrew Greek Study Bible, King James Version, and mul multiple other resources. But uh, uh, and most, of, most of that stuff you can find online. You know, mo yeah. most of it you can find online. Uh, if, if, I'm not, if I'm not mistaken, you can get a strong concordance as an app for your phone. You could, you could. It was free at one time, versus the whatever it was thirty dollars or whatever for the Strong's Concordance now. It may have come down. It was. When I got mine. It was thirty bucks, but it was the exhaustive concordance and. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We uh, mine. We found two at Goodwill, and we paid less than ten dollars for both of them. At two different times, I think. I think it was like a, actually it might be less than five dollars for both of them. A Strong's Concordance for less than five dollars. We found it at Goodwill, so don't be afraid to go to Goodwill. I found a parallel Bible. You know, I always wanted one. 
And I found Parallel Bible, and yep. I cannot find that anywhere. I have turned this house upside down since my divorce, and I cannot find that Parallel Bible anywhere at all. I got one. What did it look like, Dad? It was the big red one I used to make you all read out of, but not forbidden. <clears throat> oh, man. I, I think I know where that might be. Um. You know you the, got it in your footlocker, do you, Connor? No, no. I, I have you checked the uh, the closet in the back room? I think I did, but I, I, I don't know. There's a little uh, there's a little plastic cubby in there, and it's probably in that because I remember um, whenever that shelf broke, we did move all of your books into that plastic cubby. Okay, I'll look there. So you all moved them? Um, okay. Well, it, it was the ex-wife that moved them all, but I, yeah, we were there when the shelf broke, and she was moving all the stuff from the shelf over. Yeah, that was one of the reasons why I give away a bunch of those books too, because my my bookshelf finally gave away, and we just didn't have room at that time for another bookshelf, and he needed he needed those study guides, so I took them to him along with some other studies on heaven and stuff like that, that I thought would, would, would help him out. You know, I was wanting to bring his sermons. <laughs> this is facetious. I know this is, but I was, I was kind of getting kind of bored. So I was trying to bring it up a little bit. You know what I mean? I, I was needing fed and I wasn't getting fed and, I get it. You know what I mean? Been there, and, done that. And I know if he... Uh, Usually I, I took out as... Now I take out as a sign for me to get out. Yeah. Yeah. But I tell you, ever since I've, I've left the Southern Baptist Convention, and like I said, I'm not downing them at all. My, my belief system has changed a lot. Um, I don't want to say a lot because it's still the basically the same. But coming to a full understanding of things, I'll never forget the time um, me and God were having a conversation and he revealed to me that Jesus demonstrated what it meant to look like to live a life that was fully uh, living a life. No, how, how do I say it? Committed? What's the word you're looking for? Living committed. a life filled with the Holy Spirit. Filled with the Holy Spirit. Okay. You see, Baptist doctrine and most Christian denoms teach, well, he was Jesus, he was Lord. Well, you get over in Philippians, Paul actually says that he left his authority in heaven. Okay? Was he still a son? Yes, but he left his authority, his power in heaven. Who says that now? Paul did over in Philippians. Now, did Christ, now I, I may be wrong on this. 
I'm gonna argue with Paul. Give it <laughs> that one ain't Ronnie saying that. That's Philippians. That's Paul. Uh, let me see. Yeah, so I'm, so I'm gonna argue with Paul, uh, not you. But uh, uh, didn't Christ say all authority in heaven and earth is given unto me? And I yeah, give... but that was after he rose from the dead. It's Philippians okay. Okay. Right. chapter right. two. Chapter 2, verse 4, that's where I'm going to start reading. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also the interest of others. Verse 5, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Verse 6, who, though it he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. In other words, he had a loose hand on it. Verse 7, but emptied himself, emptied. That I looked that word up. It means empty. Emptied himself right. by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Verse 7, he emptied himself. He emptied his authority. He left his divineness in heaven he had to that right. way he could come to earth now how did he do the miracles we have that on the day that he was baptized by john the baptist he was filled with the holy spirit then i believe he was baptized in the holy spirit that empowered him to be able to do the great works that he did now, let me blow your mind a little bit more. Romans 8. Romans 8. We'll start reading in 14. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of salvation. No, uh, spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. But you have received the spirit of adoption. As sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs of God, and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. Now, nutshell, what Paul says here, we have received the power of through the adoption where we're able to cry, Abba, Father. We've been grafted in. We are children of God. And if we're children of God, that makes us heirs. We're in line. We don't have to wait for him to die, though. We are in line for his authority. That puts us on the same level. And the fellow heirs or joint heirs, as King James says, with Jesus. So, if we're joint heirs with Jesus, yes, he died for us. He is our Lord. He is our king. But whenever it comes to the authority, we're on the same level. It's not our will. It's his, him working through us. So therefore, that is how whenever Jesus, this is the technical way of explaining what Jesus explained in Mark chapter 16. Now, the thing is, if you're seeking the face of Jesus Christ, that's whenever you're going to start seeing these other things. 
just as you guys know, uh, an apple tree bears apple fruit. A spirit filled with the Holy Spirit will bear fruit of the Spirit. That's not the gifts. That's referring to the fruit. That's over in Galatians. So, <clears throat> did I blow your minds there? No. No, I've heard all that before, uh, before myself. It's probably new, new to Connor. But I did. I, I sent in Dr. Fred Overton a couple of his seminars. I don't know if you remember him. He was a head coach for basketball at Murray State there for a little while. Okay. He, he left the ministry and went to First Baptist Atlanta. I mean, he not left the ministry. He left coaching basketball. God called him out of it. And he moved to uh, uh, First Baptist Atlanta, moved to Atlanta, started going to church at First Baptist Atlanta, got – you know, got uh, I guess became friends with uh, uh, Doctor Charles Stanley and, and yeah, with the Stanleys, and uh, went back to school and got his doctorate of theology, right? And I said in a bunch of his uh, seminars, <laughs> and when he was discussing that the emptying of Christ, he he he, he warned all of us in one of his seminars, never, <clears throat> never discuss this he said you're giving away the character of god <laughs> and said you better said you better not that never get into this stuff you better you better just believe it so and leave it at that because it will just blow your mind if you ever try to get into this and you'll give away the character and nature of god and i don't and he referred to that as a bad thing and i don't know why he referred that to that as a bad thing but when he was talking about christ emptying himself of his authority when he became, uh, when he was born. Well, I, can tell you, I can tell you why. Because I know the churches that I used to attend whenever 40 years ago, 30 years ago even, if we talked about that, and especially the emptying, I mean, it's in Philippians, you can't get away from it. But if you talked about how Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit. The Baptist churches are baptized with the Holy Spirit. Uh, Baptist churches would shun that idea. Right. And it would cause you problems in the Baptist churches because it goes against their doctrine. Because right. they want to say, well, he was God. He did this because he was God. And it's not exactly true. Because if you understand it from the, from the standpoint that I'm teaching it from, it gives us hope that not only do we have a Savior, but we have a Comforter coming out of John chapter 15, who will not only comfort us, make us feel good, but bring to memory the things that we have been taught from, from the Word, the more you read, the more you put in, especially more you memorize, the bigger your tank is. And the bigger your tank is, the more the Holy Spirit has to bring to your memory whenever you're in tough times. Perfect example of that. But the thing is, the more we follow after him, the more the Holy Spirit has to work with us. And if we're seeking after him, then he's got more to work with. He's got more to give you, and he, you are able to do more for the kingdom of God, not just for what we want. That makes sense. 
Yes, a lot of, a lot of sense. <laughs> so I do have a question, right? Um, the would the reason why Jesus, um, you know, left his his um his godly given powers, yet yeah, his authority in heaven, um, before he was uh, born on earth, right? Was that so that people would feel it more of a stronger connection over less of a godly entity over somebody that we should that is born under God and born of God? Do you think that they would see that as something easier to follow in his footsteps than as if a godly being, not saying Jesus isn't godly, but you know what I mean, like an all-powerful, which Jesus was, of course. Um, but yes. yeah, do you think that would be easier but, for them to follow? Yes, but it goes further. It goes further. You see, whenever Adam and Eve committed the first sin, that brought sin into the human race and that sin penalty as well. You'll find that curse back first couple of chapters of Genesis, something uh, chapter one, I think. Yeah. Chapter one. That's what I've been teaching in uh, Valley Rock Freedom. The thing is, though, Jesus had to fulfill the law. And by doing that, he had to live first. He had to be born of flesh and of spirit. That's why he did not have an earthly father. God, Holy Spirit was his father. Okay. So from a spiritual sense, he was born spiritual yes, sir. from a godly standpoint. He was born of Mary that covered the Adam standpoint, the physical standpoint. Okay. Now, Baptist and a lot of other traditions say that he had to have that so he could live a perfect life. I don't necessarily believe that. Yeah, I don't believe that either because human in itself isn't perfect. Um, God created Adam, you know. And, and uh, he lived for a while without messing up. Well, now, yeah. Granted... Yep. For granted, though, there is a part of Jesus that was spiritual. Yes, sir. And that was of the whole of the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm not. It goes to the it also goes to his um, baptism where he was baptized not only in water, but in, in the spirit, I believe. Now. The thing there, that's where I believe that he got his authority to be able to heal and to raise the dead because we have no real record of any miracles being done until he was baptized. Um, but we also see how he conquered the temptations right after that, how Jesus, how Jesus uh, was tempted of, of, of Satan personally and he overcame them and that gives us courage that we are able to overcome our temptations uh the thing is if we use the excuse well jesus was god and i'm just human that gives us an excuse to sin 
when scripture teaches us not to walk after the flesh, but walk after the spirit. And you also got to understand whenever Jesus died, that's whenever he conquered the curse that, that sin brought into the human race. Okay. And whenever he rose again, that brought life into, into it. That was eternal. Okay. I know I got kind of digressed there, so I had to go back and cover that point. And let me see that brought it internal. I lost track, but that's how it was fulfilled. That's how we we're able to have forgiveness of our sins. Okay. Um, I'm getting tired. I hope we're going to wrap up soon. Yeah, but, we will. Uh, but uh, anyway, that is something that, you know, we look at it from the standpoint that, yeah, we have to understand it from his standpoint that he had to live a holy life. He had to fulfill the requirement of being born of flesh and, and born of the spirit, which means the Holy Spirit. And he fulfilled those requirements. He lived a perfect life. He died and he rose again. And he gave up that that gave us the ability to be saved. It gave us the ability to have a glorified body someday. And whenever we read Romans 8, we see how it is that we receive that salvation through adoption. Uh, there's other places where it talks about living after the spirit rather than living after the flesh. And a lot of people don't realize that. They don't take time to study that out so that they can live more effectively for Jesus. Any other questions, Connor? No, so you covered everything I had questions for. I'm sorry for lingering this on so much on you, man. I no like problem. I said, I'm I'm fresh and I'm still trying to learn. I'm I've learned a lot from dad and I've learned a lot from the churches that he's taken us to and um I'm willing to learn more. And I encourage uh, you, Connor, and I don't know are we still being recorded, being broadcasted? Yeah, we're we're live. We're live. Okay. All right. I'm going to plug my, my, my Facebook page, Ron Piercy. That's R-O-N-P-I-E-R-C-Y. That's my ministry page. It's a public page. Scroll all the way down. I've worked my way through the book of James. I break it down. I encourage you, Connor, to do, go through those um, and just read that. Listen to them. They're like 10 to 20-minute segments. I have went long a couple of times. But uh, I keep it short for a reason. Uh, that way it's small bites. Um, I haven't decided yet where I'm going to go next. I thought about going to First Peter. I've thought about going to First John. I've thought about going into one of the Gospels. I've talked about taking uh, Romans 8 and just ripping it apart and stretching, see how far I can stretch it out. I've also thought about working my way through Philippians. I haven't made up my mind yet, so God hasn't really said do this because um, I work eight hours a day. I have class on Tuesdays. I teach a class on Wednesdays, and by the time Thursday comes around, I'm just ready to be home and veg out in front of the TV. <laughs> Mentally and physically exhausted. I understand. Mentally and physically exhausted, and then then if we have anything special goes on. Oh, man. 
Like last week, I just want to share this real quick. Last week, our church had uh, partnered with uh, the Dream Center in, in Hamilton and with Summit in Oxford. And we went, we were going to go to, the, to a river there in Hamilton and have a revival service slash baptism. And you can see these pictures. The guys that I take to church with me from Spring Valley, from where I'm based out of, they heard pastor talk about this stuff, and they come up to me and they say, Rev, can, are we going to this? I says, I hadn't planned on it. Can we go? And I'm like, dude, I've got to jump through a lot of hoops to be able to take you guys anywhere with, beforehand. You guys got to call the house. And I told them who to talk to. Before we left church that day, they got permission from the staff for me to take them. And I was, I was like, no, no. <laughs> I left that. I left, left the house at a quarter after eight that morning. I didn't get home until 1030 that night. Now, mind you, we had one guy saved and we had three guys baptized that night and I dunked them. There's pictures there. And one of my guys was out in the water with me helping me i mean he, he's my right hand if he thinks that i'm needing help in any way he's right there um i love him to death you know what i'm saying but and that made for a hard week and on top of that the enemy has been after us he's wanting us out of there out of spring valley so bad it is pitiful and we've got a lot going on there and I did a, just to stir it up a little bit more. And it wasn't really stirring it up because I want victory. I want to see revival really break out because it's already started there. We did a prayer walk around the building today. That was the first one. And I know more's coming. So if you guys really want to pray, pray for us there. Pray that God will give me wisdom on how to lead these guys. And because like I like I told you, Sean, I mean, they call me Rev or they call me Pastor, one or the other, because I'm their I'm their man. And I never would have thought that I would have been called those two titles in my life. And it was hard. It was hard whenever they started. It was hard. I had to get used to it. Rev is the name I remember years ago that you said you would you would never feel comfortable being called Reverend. At all, yeah. Uh, yeah I remember. I remember a conversation <laughs> in Little Red about that one night. There, I tell you what. Anytime you come up, I want you to come on a Wednesday night if you're ever up here, and come and be with us sometime. If you're ever passing through, you let me know, okay? I enjoy that. I will. I'll I'll let you know if I am. That Thank way. you, guys. Let me know one day for me. It's where I'm going to be. But yeah, that'd be great. Anyway, thank you guys for having me on. Um, that next Sunday, if you're doing a podcast, I'm more than welcome, or I'm more than open to doing it with you again. And you um, boys are my co-host now. You're here all the time. Yep. <laughs> thank you all, and you guys have a good night. Hey, hey, Ronnie, before you go, I want you to send me all your information. Send me links, okay? Links? Yeah, send me links. That way, I can post them in the comments section. Well, after I get done editing to the video, and uh, 
That way people can contact you. This uh, I can also put it in my in the Spotify too, on, in the description. That way uh, people can contact you. This this show is international. It's not big, but it is international. We have listeners in Germany, Canada, even Saudi Arabia, believe it or not, and uh, various <laughs> other countries. Yeah, I don't have a big. There's there's not. It's not a. I mean, I'm very thankful for all my listeners. I'm, I'm very thankful. Uh, I, mean, I appreciate every one of them, and, and I hope they love and share the show each one and, and i'm very i'm very humbled and very uh gracious to my listeners but where uh, do you want me to send this contact info to to your just, uh messenger just, or on text text message messenger or text either one we find i can i can get it move it over easily from either one uh, I, and i really do appreciate you coming on the show come on anytime anytime you feel like uh you, you have time to come on you'd like to come back on and discuss some things or, or share the gospel or anything else that you want to do, uh, feel free to come back on. We, we welcome you to be back on. Great show. Thank you. Thank you for, for being with us tonight. All righty. I'm figuring out, trying to figure out how to send you a link. But <laughs> Okay. You go to your Facebook page and you copy that. You just copy, paste that and, and send it out. You just copy it. Then you paste it onto, uh, um, just copy the link. Then, Put in whether messenger or text either one and post it. Uh, also, if you're still needing donations for your place, uh, for your for your your place where you work, uh, I'm not saying you'll get anything, but I'll, I'll post that for you too. If you want to send me a, a an address or anything like that, I'll I'll put that up in the description and in the comment section. And you know, maybe someone might feel led to to donate. You know, to your to your all's cause because it is a good thing you know people people need help and yeah and i don't have a I, I don't have a uh, uh, a web page and i don't have a nonprofit set up yet uh, that's something that i've thought about doing but i've never done it yet uh, all right friends I didn't copy link Okay, now I copied a link, but I don't know where it went. Okay, it disappears. All you have to do is when you go to uh, either Messenger or Text, you just go there and in the and just hold your finger down to uh, where you, where, wherever you enter your text or whatever. Just hold your finger down on that spot. And it'll pop up paste, and you just hit paste, and and there it should be. Okay, I just messengered it to you okay good deal i got it i got it right there it is all right thanks for coming on ronnie we really do appreciate it come back anytime man love you man hey love you too brother take care all good right. night good night hey i want to thank everybody for watching the show tonight thank you for listening uh tomorrow whenever you listen please like this show uh please uh subscribe